I'm actually excited to do this one, by the way. <laughs> Are you? I, I, I am. I don't know about you. Uh, I don't. Have, I feel like I have less to say about this than the, everything else before. So I'm glad you're excited because okay. I, don't, I don't. I don't know how I feel about this movie. But let's, let's, let's just we'll go find forward. out right now. Welcome to Bad Puns and Machine Guns, the podcast where we watch and discuss every Arnold Schwarzenegger movie one at a time, and maybe the occasional surprise as well. I'm Mike Olson, and I'm Kevin Keen. Today we're discussing Stay Hungry. Released by United Artists on April 23rd, 1976, starring Jeff Bridges, Sally Field, R.G. Armstrong, Robert Englund, Helena Kalianiotis, I believe, apologies if I'm wrong, uh, Roger E. Mosley, Scatman Crothers, and introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger, which is a crazy thing to see in the credits. Uh, written by Charles Gaines and Bob Rafelson, based on the novel by Charles Gaines, directed by Bob Rafelson. So interesting. He didn't. He didn't get top billing on this one. He was third billing. I saved it from him for last because I was so amazed by that. I said, "I got to yes. put this." La- yeah. So the third billing is still pretty high for his first movie. Yes. Um. So, but the introducing just. I mean, it makes sense because he did do a movie before this. He was in Hercules in New York, which is a very, very B movie that only is known now because he became famous after the fact. But at the right. time, I'm sure no one even knew that movie existed. Yes. And even still, he was not credited as Arnold Schwarzenegger. He was credited as Arnold Strong. I believe it was Arnold Strong, yes. So, yeah, it, 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 I shouldn't have been surprised to see that credit, but it still was like, oh, yeah, wow, introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's it, so crazy. It was, uh, was pretty surreal. So this one was my pick and is in the category that we've deemed weird early stuff, which Hercules in New York also was a candidate. <laughs> that qualifies both as weird and as early stuff. Yes. The earliest of stuff and the weirdest of stuff. Yes. So um, I, I had never seen this, had to do a little searching to find how we'd be able to watch it, bought a used copy on DVD, uh, thank you Amazon, rather than rent it, and uh, certainly is one I had never seen before, and I know is uh, one you've never seen before. Yeah, I'd never seen it either. I had never even heard of it until we started digging into his filmography for this podcast. Nope, and uh, I, I was pretty excited when I saw it on the list, mainly because what a combination between the dude and many other roles, but Jeff Bridges, yeah. Sally Field, and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then as I watched it, I didn't, you know, I didn't get past kind of that until I watched it. There's actually a lot of other people that show up in here. You got Ed Bagley Jr. It's not a huge role, but he shows up. Um, Scatman Crow. I mean, you've got, you've got a lot of you know famous '70s and '80s actors in this that just kind of show up, which was pretty interesting too. And Robert Englund, which uh, yes, I, he wasn't in the opening credits, and I, I didn't really do much research before I watched it the first time. I wanted to go in as cold as possible, and as soon as he showed up, I was like, oh my god, it's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Like I, I knew enough about what he looked like to go. I knew it was Robert England, but that, that the, caught me by the, surprise. A, a, a grease man, Freddy Krueger. <laughs> right, yeah, the grease man. Uh, but this is an interesting movie. I, the first time I watched it, I kind of hated it. Really? That's but interesting. The, the second time through, I liked it a lot more. And I think uh, 70s cinema, some, I have a hard time with sometimes. I mean, I think you're, you're just knowing you, I know that you like you tend to gravitate towards that kind of stuff. There, there's a lot from the 70s that I, I do enjoy. That and, and, and so do I. But I think the lesser... I think most 70s movies that I love is in spite of the fact that they feel like they're from the 70s. I think the kind of the lesser stuff, just kind of the meandering and the kind of like post-60s, like, hey, man, we don't need a plot. Let's just... Just a bunch of stuff that happens. Hey, you know? <laughs> that stuff always drives me crazy. And this movie... It's not the worst offender, but it has some of that. It has a lot. I, I think I was just excited. I love the fact that the movie exists, that there's a movie, that the concept is Jeff Bridges 
And it opens up to me, it's, I don't know, it was like the opening to a Civil War movie that he's riding on a horse. The score feels like, you know, the South has been burned to the ground. It, it takes place in the South, yeah. but it, it just, it feels like a Civil War movie. And as I'm watching this, I'm like, what is going on? He's, you know, he's got a horse and a rifle and there's this voiceover. I'm like, how is this going to involve bodybuilding, him <laughs> buying a business, and Sally Field? I mean, I was the first 30 seconds, I didn't know what was going on. And then I, I reminded myself, I'm like, yeah, this is the 70s. I'm, I'm gonna, probably going to love this movie because it's going to be a bunch of random stuff that doesn't make any sense. I, I have this opening queued up because I want to play it. So let's just play it now because I'll go a step further because you're saying it feels like a Civil War movie. What it feels like is it feels exactly like Ken Burns' Civil War, like the narration. Let's just it play this. Have, it has a beat. I didn't, I didn't put that together. I, I've seen that actually recently, Ken Burns' and it's, you know, Civil War. It, it's, it's great. It is, it is a, a great production. <laughs> but man, I didn't even put that together, but it does. It has that beat or that feel Let's just it. Let's just play yeah. this and imagine like just images, like, just like drifting past the screen. And yes. some Dearest Margaret. Like here. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to envision somebody saying My William dear. Tecumseh Sherman at some point. <laughs> here's, here's the opening of this movie. It has been five months since your father. I mean, just imagine. Just, and my beloved sister. It's, it, yes. The music and the voiceover is literally just a Ken Burns documentary. Surely there is no time limit. <laughs> it is like some letter being read in and Ken sorrow. Burns' Civil War. Yeah, Absolutely. but but and all we're seeing is I we're seeing Jeff Bridges ride a horse around the woods, and this is a letter from like, his his uncle. Business. And it's so slow and but languid. Perhaps this is the time perhaps to seek the comfort. This is the time. Of your he, he can spit it out. I mean, look, I'm the one to talk. I stammer and stutter, but this guy takes forever to say something. That's coming from me. Now that your parents get to the are point. Dead. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, all I could think as soon as I heard that opening narration was just like, well, you, I was just, yeah, you you summed it up even better. So it we we get the introduction uh, of Uncle Albert, which he shows up later in the movie. But the first thing I, I thought of was I just I, and and we get it that he I think he's over in Europe. But the first time I watched him, I'm like Uncle Albert, this isn't the actual Civil War. Just go down there. Right, you know he. You can fly in for a yes, weekend. You, you can fly in for a weekend, um, and you know I'm going to assume probably anybody who's listening to this has not seen this movie because this is not one that you can just find, or if you're a Schwarzenegger fan that you've probably seen. Yeah, is this even available? I think I saw. I think when I first did the research to see what's available, I think it is on Amazon. Amazon streaming, like, you can rent it or you can buy. Yes, it it's is like a five buck rental. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it is available. It was cheaper to buy the DVD, and the DVD had the commentary, which I thought I might, you know, might be useful and get around to. But so Uncle Albert is effectively worried about uh, Jeff Bridges' character. That uh, and I, I'm saying Jeff Bridges. That shit. So it's Craig Blake is um, the Bridges character and yes. the, the Blake family. Who you get a, a little bit of what you know what is a you know traditional Southern plantation house that Craig Blake appears. You know he's living in. It was his parents' house, and he's just kind of uh, wandering aimlessly. Uh, and you, I can't tell how old he's supposed to be, but you know, somewhere in his twenties is is what I, I think, or at least I took from it. Yeah, it's probably late twenties or something yeah. like that. I, I I don't know how old Jeff Bridges was at the time, but uh, yeah, that's what I would guess. So what what I and some of the reason why maybe I I don't know if I it sounds like I like this more new, but so you go from this opening and the, the <laughs> second time that I wa- I watched it, I knew it was coming next, but it's you, you want to talk about just 
completely a different movie in the next scene. This movie, yeah, this movie has such crazy tonal shifts. I had the exact same note, and I had just, again, I want to play it. Yeah, because, I mean, uh, it's going to sound like we're going to play the whole movie here, but it's just <laughs> astonishing how different the opening scenes, the, the first three minutes, how different they could be. Well, it's, it's going to sound like we're playing two different movies. Yes. Because this couldn't, it's such a jarring transition. So, yeah, I mean, these are, I don't want to play a lot of clips, but I wanted to play these two opening clips because you're absolutely right. It's so crazy how different these are. Okay, so Jeff Please. Bridges has finished wandering through the woods. Let me hear from you. <laughs> He's got a rifle thrown Honestly, over his shoulder just yeah. walking He's in. just wandering around with a rifle. Uncle Albert. And yeah, cut to these guys. I bet you 50 I can beat you to the meeting. Devil it, friend. We don't want to keep that Blake boy away. So there's a bunch of guys on CB radios. We yeah. come rich, Jabo. I see a piece of pelt. I'd like to jump over here. If I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> it's just and they're, yeah, they're racing to an office building. They're racing to an office building. Yeah. Still jump, jump, like once you're gonna miss me. This literally could not be more 70s. If you were just too, like the design a spoof of the 70s, it would be this. Yes, and it's almost like, hey, we need kind of a car chase in this movie. We we feel like we that could boy, have one, and this is the time to do it. But at no point did any of these guys like see each other. It's just like, oh, I got here first. Yeah. <laughs> That's just all that guy's just like, yeah, I got here first. Yeehaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, but just, man, what a weird, like those two scenes exist in the same movie and we're only three minutes in. And they're back to back, right? I mean, it's just, it was astonishing. I think that's the reason why my second time through, I liked it even more. Knowing that this complete insanity of juxtaposition of scenes was was coming up that just makes no sense. But I think that's why I don't really know how I feel about it, or I know I don't know what to think because, and it is that thing I was talking about where it's just a bunch of scenes. It's just a jumble of things that happen that a lot of times don't feel like they are connected in a lot of ways. I mean, they are connected. You can go through the plot and understand why each scene is. There. I mean, that scene is just setting up. These guys are just a bunch of a holes, and we're, we're yes. going to learn. I, I wrote down my notes every time you see them. I call them the Legion of Doom. <laughs> <laughs> they're just sitting around plotting and just like, yes, we will destroy this this gym. And <laughs> they're just sitting there cackling. And uh, so, so but to set up the plot because we're kind of talking around it, but it's a bunch of uh, real estate investors who seem that the implication is they're tied into the mob. Correct. Well, I I don't know if it seemed like yes. In some ways, they're dirty. I I think I was a little bit. Uh, I jumped to that same conclusion, but mainly it's because. <laughs> Jabo or Jabo, who you just heard on the CB radio there. Yes. Immediately, I thought this is the, it's the guy from Godfather Two. Chi Chi went into the witness protection program, and apparently, he developed a really bad accent and moved down to Birmingham and is doing real estate scams. Oh yeah, that accent. That guy's accent is really bad. Really bad. But I mean, that is the first thing that went through my mind. I'm like, oh, Michael Corleone is going to be looking for him. Well, see, who is he? Because that, that actor's name is Joe Spinell. And the place I got I know him from and why I got excited to see him is because he's Mr. Gazzo in the first two Rocky movies. Oh, and well, a, and you are a huge Rocky fan. I'm a huge Rocky fan. You're a huge Godfather fan. I'm yes. not that familiar with The Godfather. And I saw in his Wikipedia that he was in the Godfather movies. And I kind of went like, I don't remember him. Like, so I, I, I figured you would know who well, it was. And the reason why I even connected it more is he's actually the one when in front of the, the Senate hearing, he's the one who testifies and has maybe one of the best lines in Godfather two Senator. When somebody tells me to push a button on a guy, I push a button on a guy. 
huh. uh, whether or not you remember it. So immediately I'm thinking, time. look, he went into the witness protection program, and apparently they put him down in Birmingham and told him they have a really bad accent. If it wasn't for the fact that the Godfather movies are set in the past, it would actually it would make, actually make a lot of sense. Uh, yes, I understand the time difference doesn't necessarily tie together completely, but just give it to me. That That's what I'm taking is that this guy was in the mob and he's in the witness protection program right and, now. And, and that accent would actually make sense because he's yes. trying to pass as, I'm a Southerner and I was born here. <laughs> yes. Listen he's, to my accent. He's a New York I'm, mobster. It's really, really trying to do yes. a Southern Birmingham accent. I love Joe Spinell in the Rocky movies and, you know, the fact that he's in The Godfather. Like, you know, I don't, I can't say I'm that familiar with him, but this movie, he shouldn't have even tried to do that accent. That's no, it, just, it, be it was te- bad. Just be a New York guy. Yes. So we, we get to this meeting um, after they've all raced there talking on CB radios, which, you know, I'm assuming was to also show the. How wealthy they were if they could have CB radios in their cars is is my guess. Yeah, I wasn't even really sure if they just like if that's in the seventies. Is that something you could get as like I, a, as I, an addition as a as an, as an option? Yeah, can, exactly. can I upgrade my huge gas guzzling car that is not going to make a lot of sense with uh, the oil embargo at the end of the decade? Can I get a CB radio in there, please? <laughs> yeah, were they all driving Cadillacs? I, I, I they, think so. they, they were. They were. Yeah, they were their Cadillacs or Lincolns. They were. They were big behemoths of cars. Yeah, for sure. So you then get the stage set where everybody in the room has acquired or is in the process of acquiring a key piece of property to do an assemblage. I'm assuming the reason why they each have to do it individually is that so the other property owners don't figure out yeah. what's going on and the price effectively rises beyond what they're willing to pay is, is my guess. I, you don't get that in the... The um, the dialogue, but I, I assume that's the reason why. I'm glad you're here because I was going to ask you since you would know about this sort of thing much more than me. But uh, uh, I, yeah, I, I thought maybe it was just some kind. There was some. It, it seemed to me like there was something shady going on where they, for whatever reason, they didn't want anyone to know that these were all going to be bought up by a, a single buyer. Yeah, they had to. They had to make it look like it was. All, they were all separate buyers. But it did, I, I think that's why it's just it was just to not the, drive the price yes, up. That that's the only thing I think it probably was is not drive the price up, not necessarily organized crime related. That that's my guess is to not drive the prices up because they had said later on after the the meeting inside the building when they're up on the parking deck, Blake and and his uh, his buddy are talking and saying how um, his buddy says, well, you know, these guys you know made a boatload on their last deal. So my guess is is that they're probably known in the community and then if those other guys were acquiring all of the parcels the last the last holdout would figure it out and ask way too much for their property okay that that makes sense that's my guess so the only other thing i want to highlight though within the meeting is the close-up of walter jr and the laugh that that guy has that's exactly what when i wrote down legion of doom oh that guy's laugh that guy's laugh and of course and the fact yeah 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 yes That again, that was another one that made made me smile and feel like I wasn't wasting my time watching it a second time. But at the same time, I you know you're not going to run across too many characters and things that are named Walter Junior. And I just I, I could not get Breaking Bad out of my head when yeah. that guy's laugh. I had that same thought. I really didn't. Uh, I didn't write anything down. I was like, "There's a joke here, but I don't. I don't maybe it's I didn't not know. Yeah, I didn't, something that should be explored. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't know either. But I just want to point out, since people may not take the time to watch this. Walter Jr. Uh, has has quite the devious laugh, and it's not the Walter Jr. from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I also, uh, the whole thing of, uh, the, uh, the fact that uh, Jeff Bridges' character, Blake, Blake, right? Craig Blake, yes. Blake, uh, how he got mixed up with these guys, and then, like, they're kind of, there's the part where 
They're like, okay, you're gonna get, you're gonna buy that gym. Give me a high ten, and he, he like gives him a high ten. Yes, he gives him a double high five. Double high five. She's like, I hate all these guys, including Jeff Bridges. He should have, he should have refused to give a high ten. <laughs> like, On principle, he should have said, no, this is stupid. If, I'm not doing if it. If you're older than eight years old, you're, you should so be like, nah. It's so okay. it's, you're taking the uh, the grease monkey from Seinfeld. You're taking that the high five is a little grease monkey, and so then the te- the high ten is double offensive. I, it's like quadruple offensive somehow <laughs> it's like it's exponential is really yes. what it is every t- every every five you add makes it much much worse I, you know adults high-fiving it depends on circumstances but there are some circumstances and maybe if you're in evil if you're in, if, if you're, you're in, in, the, in legion of doom yeah if you're involved in an evil scheme sure high five yeah we're both evil together high 10 no never it's it's not acceptable there's no circumstance where okay. that's allowed so effectively the plot gets explained outside that they've got to you know the, the two of them have to finish and close their deals. The most important one being this gym that Craig Blake, uh, Jeff Bridges' character, needs to acquire. And in his sort, it, you know, in some ways, maybe this is a premonition of him being cast as the dude because he does just kind of have this laissez faire. He's not worried about anything in the world. So maybe this was the, uh, the bait. I, 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 no, I'm making a big leap here, but maybe this was the uh, the basis for the dude well, I think, in some ways. I think a lot of Jeff Bridges' characters are like that, because I think Jeff Bridges may, maybe is a little like that. Like that, yeah. Because even, I, it's funny, because I recently watched the, the 70s King Kong. I may have even mentioned that on one of the I podcasts. I think so, yeah. Uh, but uh, he's very, like, you know, like, hey, man, we got to save this monkey or whatever. He's just kind of like, you know. And he's, he's a little bit like the dude. Yeah, and he's, he's not as laid back. as the, I mean, this guy's kind of in a trance. Like, he's just kind of like, he doesn't know what to do with himself. And he's seeing all this money, and he lives in this giant house. And, you know, he's, I, I kind of feel like he got involved in this real estate deal just to have something to do. Do, yes. Uh, but, uh, and then, yeah, even in Tron, where he's just kind of like, hey, I wrote this program. Hey, you know, I, I, just Jeff Bridges it's just uh, inherent in a lot of Jeff Bridges' characters. He's just kind of very part- laid back and relaxed. Yeah. With the exception of Iron Man. That's the opposite. Iron Man, <laughs> I don't think in, in Blown Away, it's been a long time since I've seen Blown Away, but I don't remember him being laid back in that either with I, Tommy Lee Jones. I have to confess, I've never seen Blown Away. Okay. It's not a bad movie. Um, may, may, maybe that'll be what we when we finish up with Schwarzenegger. That would be a good. Bridges. That would be a good interim uh, if we yes. do like episodes in between seasons because yes. we've we've been talking about that a little bit. But some uh, uh, some random random movies that are tangentially connected yeah. to uh, actors in in Schwarzenegger movies. Pencil that in because uh, right. I, I I feel like I'm one of the few people, like, a few guys our age who's never seen Blown Away. Yeah, I saw it in theaters, and it's probably been that's probably the last time I saw it is in theaters, and that was like 1990. Two or ninety three? I don't remember. Right, so, we'll have to keep in mind. But uh, yes, so we, we get the plot, and then the next the next cut actually makes sense. So the one that made no sense of going from the Civil War to a car chase in the seventies, <laughs> yeah. we then get cut to the gym. That makes sense, right? I mean, that, that's going to be the focal point of the movie, and we get uh, we get the gym where most of this movie is going to take place. One of the few moments where this plot actually has momentum and feels like it's moving forward, because yes. from this point where he meets everyone at the gym. Until like two thirds of the way through the movie, this movie just kind of goes in circles. I'm just like, hey, let's hang out, let's go do things, and you know, hey, yes. nice let's people let's go hooking up with each other, and you know, it's just just stuff happening. Showing a slice of Americana, which is fine up to a point. Like I don't mind that, but something needs to happen at some point. I mean, it does. I may be being a little harsh. I I don't dislike the movie, but uh, I just the kind of meandering nature of a lot of movies from this period. 
really annoys me, but uh, you know. So on the marquee, there's a marquee for the gym, and it's Joe Santo, which I I can't <laughs> tell you how much I love that name. I know I've made this huge deal about how very Anglo almost. It seems like every Schwarzenegger name is Joe Santo is just a great name. Well, I, there actually is a reason I think this time because it's funny how uh, they make a point to say he's Austrian. Yes, like they you know they actually try to explain it, but his name is still Joe Santo, and it's because I looked it up after I watched the movie the first time. In the original novel, Joe Santo was French Canadian. Ah, okay. So I don't I don't know if that's a French name. I guess maybe, but uh, it it would seem like though. It, is it really that big of a deal to? change a character's name to right if you're gonna change his background if you're gonna right. say that he's austrian yeah change make it an austrian name it's it, it is kind of jarring like joe santo uh, well to me it just maybe it, it set the the tone for the rest of his career which is great i mean it brings a smile to my face some of the names he's had joe santo it's was a, a perfect for introducing formerly arnold arnold strong arnold schwarzenegger as joe santo <laughs> it is a good name though and you could just assume like ah they he changed his name when he came to america or Yes, so we, we get that and uh, what may be a silhouette of Arnold on the uh, on the marquee. Yeah, I wrote down the marquee, and I don't know, if, like some of these things, I don't necessarily, I think there's just the archaic terms for things from 70s gyms, because it says Olympic Spa for men and women, and then there's a bunch of, like, just words, it just says reducing, gaining, steam, <laughs> massage, mineral, bath. It's, Which I assume was mineral bath, but it's like split halfway down. It's like somebody just decided, we're going to play a word association game for our sign. I'm going to tell you, gym, bodybuilding, and what do you think of? And that's what we're going to put on the sign. Well, it's reducing and gaining, which I kind of understand what they mean, but it's just, that's those are, that's things, the ways to describe a gym that you would never use today. It's very strange. And then it says, yeah, it says, uh, Joe Santo, Mr. Austria trains here. Yes. So yeah, and it's got his uh, silhouette. Would you think that's specifically? I don't Arnold's know if it silhouette? is. I'd like to think that that was Arnold. Uh, it looks pretty close. Uh, Arnold's silhouette. I, I'd like to think they put, they spent a lot of the budget there. Um, so <laughs> we, we, you're not you're not wrong because he goes inside and it's the chintziest gym you've ever seen. <laughs> How much could this gym possibly cost? Like, he, he could buy this thing with the change in his pocket. I, I was gonna say, uh, whatever whatever the asking price is. It's too much because there, there's just no other than the actual physical piece of land that it sits on. There is no intrinsic value in that gym, and there's like no, there's nobody ever in there. No, there's maybe t- twenty pieces of equipment. Yes, if, if that. I mean, I, I, I can't imagine that at the worst hotel that you could go to right now that has workout facilities and i mean when we're talking you know like bad like it's you know they're probably dead bodies in the swimming pool <laughs> right it would be a better workout facility than what the, than yeah, this that, gym has that's totally the vibe that you're yes. getting from this i mean i i have no idea what gyms were like in the, in the 70s, 70s. Yeah. i barely know what gyms are like today just look at me but uh, you know uh and maybe that's what gyms are like, but man, it, if so, those those are very sad places. You yes, know? I would not want to train in that gym. So we get uh, Blake's character to walk in, and then we get an introduction to the uh, another headliner, um, Sally Field as Mary Tate. Yeah, and this is more or less her first movie because uh, I, I did listen to that commentary. Okay, and uh, the director Bob Rafelson, who I've not, I've not seen a lot of his stuff. He's kind of well known. He did Five Easy Pieces, which is very very well regarded, and I've never seen that. With Jack Nicholson. I haven't seen it either. I have seen the movie Head, the Monkeys movie, which is crazy. I have not seen that either. Wow. I'm kind of fascinated by the Monkeys, so I have seen it. <laughs> but 
it's super like it's super psychedelic and crazy. Like it's actually wow. kind of worth seeing. I'll have, to, I'll have to mark that one down along it, with you wouldn't blown away. Well, it's just one of those things like it's why just very briefly I'm kind of fascinated by the monkeys just in that they started out as a manufactured thing but then they kind of broke out and became like became something. the druggiest drug band you've ever like and that's kind of what that movie is like. It's very, very psychedelic. Interesting. And he directed that and that's, that's the only one of his movies I've ever seen. But anyway, uh, he was saying on the commentary he wanted to also say introducing Sally Field but he didn't want to have two introducings in the credits, because yeah. he's also introducing Arnold Schwarzenegger, so Arnold won out. Well, but, I think that would be kind of weird, too. I mean, because she she was beyond a, a known commodity. Oh, she was a and, big television star. Yeah, sure. and, and I assumed some of the reason, in particular, when, when we get there, I assumed, and maybe the commentary talked about it. Uh, I didn't get a chance to listen to the commentary. But there were certain things here that it just seemed to me that she was... This was the 70s version of... what I think she was Gidget and the Flying Nun. The 70s version of a Disney star desperately wanting to get rid of her image from what she was most famous for, the flying nun and Gidget, because there's some things here that just, uh, I understand it was the seventies, but it just makes no sense other than Sally Field wanted to break what her image was. Yeah. There's probably some truth to that. I think if that was true, she could have gone a lot farther with it. Because this movie has no compunction to showing like nudity. That's kind of what you're getting at. It's kind of well. I, I guess a, what I'm getting at. Well, it doesn't matter when we get there. But I mean, it seems like it goes out of the way when she eventually she'll head back to Blake's uh, um, house, yeah, and yeah. you know the more the the morning after she's looking at pictures on the wall. It's just so that we can see her butt. But they actually make it a point to have her turn her head so that you know it's not a body double. <laughs> to me, I, that just screamed to me that it's like, oh yeah, we want. Sally Field or somebody wants you to know this is really her. Yeah, but you know, there's she uh, didn't go all. It's rural nudity, even if she didn't do the frontal it's, nudity. So I'm saying, you know, and that's not even. I'm saying like she, she's supposed to kind of be playing this kind of very. Uh, I don't know if crass is the right word, but like just very like down to earth. You know, there's the whole like slobs versus snobs part that yeah. happens later. Yeah, and she's in part of this. She's in the slob camp, uh, but you know. She could have pushed that a lot farther and been a lot more... Yeah, I guess like, so. I, to, to me, that's what it seemed like to me. But anyway... No, I think you're right. I, I, I think she didn't go far enough. So we, um, we get her, to, uh, Mary Tate, to show, show Blake upstairs where we, we, we get another, which I had zero clue that, this, that Freddy Krueger was coming. Right, me uh, So I, I was completely blown away. I'm like, I mean, I knew, I knew Schwarzenegger, I knew Bridges, and I had no clue... That Freddy Krueger was in this movie and kind of ent- enters the startling way because even before Jeff Bridges is all the way up the stairs, he's just like hi there, and he's just yes. sticking his hand out. And it's just like ah, just, even if when you don't realize it's Freddy Krueger, it's kind of like frightening. He, he's very he jumps being... right out at you, and you're like, oh. yeah. then you, you get a second. It's like man, he he could have just slashed him right there if he's had his uh, yeah even his be- glove on. Even before you know it's Freddy Krueger, it's like well that guy's being really aggressive. Oh god, it's Freddy Krueger. That's even more. Scary. It's even more scary. Yeah, but uh, he's just touring the place. There's an old guy sitting on a rotating barrel. What uh, the hell is that? Uh, you remember that guy? <laughs> I, I remember that guy again with this gym. I, I, it, you know what? It, some of the stuff in Thor, which comes right after, um, I shouldn't call him Freddy Krueger. We, we actually used Robert Englund. Well, I, I, I don't remember any of the characters' names, so I'll, I'll, I'll probably remember, I'll forget Robert Englund's name at some point. But uh, um, so we eventually get him to make the introduction to the the owner, uh, which is Thor. Thor Erickson. Thor Erickson, which the is the most 
Viking ass name. It's so like it's, you couldn't come up with a more Nordic name. Uh, Thor Erickson. You you couldn't. And what it reminded me of was the Running Man. Actually, and I've got to score some steroids, but it is not is not the same person. Much uh, much to my disappointment. No, we, uh, we exchanged a Sven for a Thor. A Sven for a Thor, and so, um, but no, what 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 came to my mind in this gym? Particularly, thank you for the <laughs> the barrel. It seems like this is what Mr. Burns from The Simpsons. It, it seems like this, these are the types of things he would put in a workout facility. Yeah, it, very, it seems way too old timey for a seventies for the seventies. I mean, even the thing you know, you always see like the cliched old timey exercise thing where it's like that the towel that goes around your waist and yes. shakes. Even that seems like more of a workout. At least I'm sure it makes you like clench up. How does sitting on a rotating barrel? I don't know. What does that even do? But I don't know. So Freddy Krueger, Robert England's name is Franklin, and, and if we can remember it, it is Franklin, and the okay. owner is Thor. Yeah, Thor will remember. Right? That, uh, that's a memorable yeah, name. Thor is a memorable name and a memorable character. Uh, and so we, you know, Blake tries to to make an introduction and say that uh, he might be interested in buying it. Thor is having Thor is an interesting interesting guy. Uh, he's having nothing to do with it. Yeah, and I <laughs> I don't even know how to describe it other than he. The, the the discussion breaks down into I, it's not really wrestling I don't know what it is but it's it's surreal yeah first of all he starts like pawing at his waist he's just yes. like, he's just I think he's trying to get him in some kind of wrestling move and Jeff Bridges kind of like moves swings away. out of it and he's like okay well, I'll, I'll talk business let's come into my office and while they're going into the office he hooks him and like <laughs> he puts hooks him, him on his back to, uh, yeah and it's, uh, hooks his arms up and then is like trying to flip him over his back no I mean. The first thought I had was, is this guy, I mean, I know it's the 70s, is this guy just as high as a kite? What oh, is going on? We learned plenty about yeah. that later. Yes, we sure. learned plenty about it later. But at this point, at least my first time through, like, what is going on? This guy, I, I think it's pretty clear that he's supposed to be funny. He's supposed to be a, a comic character. But he's too creepy to be oh, funny. Oh, yeah, he's not. It, if, it's, if that was the intention... He's they so, failed. He is he frightening. Star- he starts out creepy, and then they push him way, way further yes. to the. Yeah, it's it's. But I, like watching this, I'm going like this is this. I feel like this should be funny, but I'm not laughing at all. Like, this no, he, if he's supposed to be the comic relief, Danny Madigan from Last Action Hero, he is not comic relief. You know, he starts he, out as you said, creepy, and it just gets dialed up. I mean. R- by the end, really high. Yeah, that's part of the stuff that I had some real trouble with. Let's let's save it because. It, yeah, that, that character, boy, they really they go places with him that they I, yeah, I probably don't make a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, and then later that night they all go out to. Uh, oh no, I guess he comes back. I almost skipped the part where he comes back later. Well, he comes kind of, where they introduce Arnold. I was gonna say we introduce Arnold, and I I, I thought it was great too because he he's working out. I don't know if it's a Batman costume, <laughs> Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, again, this is just so much of this. It's like what is going on? Where I mean, I know the voice. But you don't get his face right away because he's wearing this like cheap plastic mask that I remember wearing that you could barely breathe as a kid, you know, at Halloween. Right. It's, it looks it looks like one of those where it's got just a thing that ties around yes. the back of your head. Yeah, a real cheap like rubber band holding it on. It's like, why? And I, eventually they explain. I, I think it's in a later scene why he does it to try and lighten the mood. But when you're watching this, it's like what from back to back scenes. It's like what is going on in this movie? Yeah, I wrote. I have a note here at this point where I wrote this movie is a fever dream. Because <laughs> it's so, it's such a crazy. Just every scene is just like, what is even happening? There's Thor and there's this, and uh, the thing that I that immediately I, my mind jumped to is those creepy dudes from Eyes Wide Shut. Oh yeah, that's in the uh, 
So, so what you're saying is Blake had the password. It was Fidelio. It's Fidelio. But he only had the password to get into the party. That was the door password. <laughs> yeah, but that—that's what that looked like more than anything. More than Sound so, of the Opera. So what you're saying. Like, so I think what we've now determined is this movie influenced uh, the Coen Brothers to to bring on Jeff Bridges as the dude, and it also influenced Stanley Kubrick for Eyes Wide Shut. That's what you're telling me. I mean, it's as surreal as Eyes Wide Shut. That's yes. for sure. Uh, I did learn as far as why he's wearing this. The one thing I learned, well, I learned a couple of things from the commentary, but the, uh, Bob Ravelson did explain he wanted to save the reveal of Arnold's physique until the end of the movie because you know it's, okay. it's interesting to think about a time when people didn't weren't familiar with him, you know, and so he kind of went, he wanted to save it that makes until sense. the end, so the audience would be like, oh wow, like that guy's really, that guy is jacked, <laughs> yeah, seriously, uh, you know. So the, the the problem then became like, well, how is he going to work? What's he going to be wearing when he works out? Because he's got to be covered up if we're going to save it. And they just came up with this crazy suit, this crazy mask, and whatever it is. That, he's wearing a cape. Yeah, he's wearing. That's yeah. I again, I don't know if it's Phantom of the Opera, whatever it was. That is interesting. I'm glad you got a chance to listen to the commentary, though. And I guess it does kind of make sense if that's and and the bodybuilding thing is the reason he's in this, and one of the the plot doesn't move very much, but that yeah. is one of the plot points. So that is, I guess, a good choice to to have that as kind of one of the big reveals. Yeah. So this is where we learn that uh, that Robert Englund is this grease man, and yes, you learn what a grease man is. Uh, you learn that uh, Joe Santo he's a he's a great bowler, he's a great swimmer, curling. He he basically does it all. He's he's a very interesting man. Well, I noted my note on that was only one of those three things requires athleticism. <laughs> that is true. Bowling is a skill. Yeah, and and uh, curling like. You know, that's a, that's probably skill too. Yeah, I don't think any. I mean, swimming, sure. Olympic swimmer, yeah, you need to be athletic. Yes. But you can be an Olympic curler, and I don't. I don't think you really need to be athletic. It doesn't really prove much. I mean, whatever. It, it does. I think. I think they're just trying to establish that he's really like he has very eclectic interests and tastes, and we learn more. He's a lot of different, a lot of talent and, right. and talent and skill. Yeah. And so we get this scene, and Hanks. Not not a lot of time needs to be spent, but this is the first one where I'll definitely lump into your category of this is a, just a bunch of stuff that happens. But the one thing I did learn is that if you're if you're down in Birmingham, Alabama, do not pretend to play at Auburn University. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is what I learned from this because you're going to get a pool rack in the head, and that's not a good thing. Yeah, pool rack, not a pool cue. Not, not a pool cue. Go get a pool cue. If you're going to hit someone, if you're going to start a bar fight and there's a pool table. Don't use the yeah the, the triangle. Don't use that's, that. Well, go get a cue and hit someone with that. That's, that's a perfect weapon. I'm going to hit you with this triangle. Uh, yeah, that scene, uh, maybe it was my imagination. Or I, I, it's hard to tell in movies like this like <clears throat> how much is undertone or whatever. Because there's that, that character, Lamar, uh, and he's like worried about... Uh, he's a, or no, sorry, not Lamar, Newton. Newton, I don't yes. know where I got Lamar. New, but, Newton also is introduced in, that, in the first sequence... Ask him if he plays hockey. We we didn't cover Newton. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's worried. He's, he starts like he's like, oh, he's a spy. He starts thinking about better yeah, for you know the, spy? the competition, right? Oh, for the competition. Yes, that makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, it was a spy for the competition. The bodybuilding didn't want they they wanted to protect what Joe looked like because and what I mean about undertones is I'm, I was sitting there going like spy what like what is what's he going to uncover and I'm thinking and then later. There's the line about like, oh, I heard a lot of people in your profession are, uh, and Arnold is like homosexual. So I was like, okay, is there is there that going on? Is like a YMCA oh, thing happening? I got here? you. Yeah, no, I think it was they. I'm not sure what yeah, that, advantage that, you could get by knowing what your competition looked like because how much can you really change at this point? But that that's what it was. It was a spy for the competition, and that makes sense. But that's the part that made me start to speculate. I was like, a spy? What do you mean spy? Like, what what are you spying on? Okay, 
So yeah, I probably read too much into it because there was the, when they're playing pool. Uh, Jeff Bridges and Robert Englund are playing pool, and Jeff Bridges goes, "You got a hot stick, man, real hot." And I'm going like, "Ooh, if this is a if this is a YMCA Undertones. situation, be careful what you say. You might so, they might get the wrong idea." So the the only thing I took away, other than I mean, you already got that a, a fight breaks out, and Franklin, by the way, is the one who starts it. You can't trust Freddy Krueger because he does a sucker punch to the nuts, which I can understand why somebody would come at you with a. I agree, it should be probably a cue rather than the rack, but whatever. I can understand why you'd be upset. Yeah. <laughs> but the one thing I took away is uh, you, we have another character that introduced here, uh, and she's a karate oh, instructor. Yeah, the karate instructor. Yeah. I, I don't have her name. Uh, maybe you've got it. But the one thing I know is they're having some discussion, and, and Blake is talking about hunting, and he's talking about dove hunting. Yes. And all I, all I can think about is he's talking about having uh, you know, bags of doves, all I could think about is Arrested Development. <laughs> that his freezer, there actually might be a reason why Job wrote on the brown paper bag, Dead Dove, do not eat, because apparently people down in the South do keep doves in their freezer. Was it a bag of doves? Was, it, he, actually, it, was that he, was, he was talking about hunting doves, and I think... That, okay, hunting doves. Okay. Yeah, but no, but I think he was talking about bagging them, and so all I could <laughs> okay. think of is that there's a brown paper bag in his freezer with Dead Dove, do not eat written I on didn't, it. I didn't pick up that he's bagging doves, but yes. what so, I... What I I did pick up, and you'll have to give me a ruling on this, because you know not gonna be a lot of counts in this one. But no. uh, Blake says when she she kind of her name is Anita, the karate teacher. Okay, Anita. I, and, I don't uh, know if I ever remember hearing it, but anyway, uh, I think you learn it later. I wouldn't have if I didn't have it written down. I wouldn't remember that's okay. for sure. But uh, yeah, he, he's talking about hunting. Uh, is, it, is it doves? He's hunting. Yeah. He, okay, and and she's she kind of objects to it, and he says. Well, it's cheaper than shooting craps and better than shooting people. <laughs> What's that mean? Uh, I don't know, but I, I think that's a borderline pun. So I want, I want a ruling. Uh, I, you know, because shooting craps and shooting people, there's a double meaning. Well, you know what? This one on the both the body count, we're we're gonna get. I'm gonna give it a ruling. We, yes, let, yes, let's give that one. Okay, yeah, because we're we're gonna have to stretch on all basically Ex- extremely stretch. Okay, so that's pun number one. Then, I, yeah, I I thought it was probably good, and she's really interfering too. I wrote down like. You know, Blake and uh, Mary Tate uh, seem to be getting along. Yeah, and she's just there, just sticking her nose in the middle. Just, get out of here, you know. Yes, <laughs> she's she's really uh, uh, playing defense over there. So after after the fight, Blake goes to the bathroom to start trying to clean clean the blood up. Yeah, and uh, Joe Santo just randomly comes into the bathroom and says hello. Yeah, and they just kind of, the thing that infuriated me is he goes, "Oh, sorry, I wasn't here to help." Meaning with the fight. I'm going like, yeah, me too. Yeah. What am I watching this movie for? You're not doing anything. <laughs> you're not doing anything. You're off camera. Yeah, it's like, why? If you're going to have Arnold Schwarzenegger, this huge dude, and you're going to have a fight scene, just have him show up after it's over. Like, oh, sorry, I wasn't here. It's it like, is pretty anticlimactic. Yeah, give give. This is this is what drives me crazy about '70s movies. It's just like deliberately not having the thing. I mean, maybe I, I'm being unfair, but it's just you know, come on. So you you put were, him in the fight. You were giving it the. Uh... Already the the Millhouse from The Simpsons. When are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Is that what you're telling me? But it's deliberate. I'm saying. Or, or I know it was intentional. Don't have them there at all. It's just right. it's just deliberately frustrating of just like dangling it, saying, yeah. oh, "Look what we didn't do." <laughs> right. Exactly. Sorry, I wasn't there for the fight. But anyway. That so after that, this we we cut to them all the the gang. Uh, Blake is becoming quite friendly, having them back to the plantation. I, I didn't even have any notes from this because it's just. 
it's just random. They're I just mean, talking about nothing. They are. There is nothing noteworthy. At least I had Dead Dove do not eat from the <laughs> from the bar. But this the, the first scene where they all come back and you know they've become pretty chummy pretty quick. Yeah. But they're just they're talking. I mean they're they're really they're there's nothing to that scene. Well, Robert Englund's being very like rude about the about uh, Blake's parents because she's like, oh, if they're dead, then you own this house, and uh, Anita's like, shut up, you know. Be a little more sensitive. His parents died, and then Arnold's very impressed by his collection of cut glass. Oh, I did. Yeah, I didn't forget about the cut glass. That actually, no, maybe I'm a little unfair. That was pretty entertaining because he's he's like bringing pieces to show Mary Tate. I can't, I, I like the idea of it, but he just brings in a very ordinary just drinking glass. Yes, it's like yes, it's obviously a very nice kind of piece of crystal. But it's just like this belongs in a museum. It's like what, why? why? It's a piece of glass. It actually looks like it belongs on a dinner table. It's just a piece of crystal. Yeah, what, what belongs in a museum? He's Indiana Joe. <laughs> Joe. Uh, yeah, but then uh, I think probably this scene is here because I think you go right from this to him at the country club. Or is that what's next? Yeah, so you cut to uh, introduction of Ed Bagley Jr. for a brief moment, moment but yes, at the, the country club. He's got his friends, like there's like three or four of them. And, yep. uh, I think uh, probably I think that scene at the mansion is just there to contrast. Like, here's his new friends and then here's his, his old, old friends. friends. His rich yeah, old. probably. So, and the, yeah, they're just, again, not really talking about anything in particular. He's. So He's, you know what I'm I'm thinking here. You're you're right. The slobs versus the snobs. This this movie was far reaching. I'm sure that Harold Ramis was probably absorbing this, and that's how Caddyshack was born. They just decided to refine it and make it a much more entertaining movie. To replace bodybuilding with golf. Yes, bodybuilding with golf, and you get a much better movie. But yes, is, think, so so wait, is Chevy Chase Joe Santo in that scenario? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> That's quite the difference between Arnold Schwarzenegger and Chevy Chase. I, I just wonder if we can do a one-for-one match. I haven't seen Caddyshack recently enough to do that, but I, I wonder how close you could get it. It was like, which, who's, who's Freddy Krueger in this scenario? You know, it's, Who's uh, Rodney Dangerfield in... Well, in, I can uh, tell you right now who Thor definitely is. <laughs> I haven't Bill seen Murray's him. character. Oh. We, we, both of them are extremely crazy. Yes, okay. Yeah, that, that I can buy. But anyway... But, but I, I just want to know who, who Rodney Dangerfield is in Stay Hungry. Is it... Uh, I would say uh, Rodney S- Sally Field. No, Rodney Dangerfield. Let's see on, ooh, on the slob side. Or maybe, maybe it is uh, Jeff Bridges. It probably is. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'll bet you could do a one to one. We don't have time right now. But. Yes, uh, I should. I should have thought this through more, but I didn't know this discussion. <laughs> I'd find so many connections to later movies that uh, Stay Hungry influenced. Yeah, but so it, you don't, it, it is the kind of thing where I think if this had been made even five years later, it would have been that kind of a movie. Probably a very like. Harold Ramis-ish Slob yeah. versus Snob story. Yes, kind of and the, much more comedic, lighthearted. Right. Not random weird stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, the country club, you get them, and really the only thing that really comes of it is that, yes, one, he's in this world um, down in the South uh, from his family, not necessarily, you know, his accomplishments, but then also you get that his uh, his other business partner, who's a member of the club, is getting anxious that uh, he's not moving forward on his no-rough-stuff type deal. He's he's not getting the job done. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think any of these people earned their... These are all old-money kids, yes. right? Like they, None of them actually earned any money. They, all of them inherited it. Uh, but yeah, this is where uh, Amy, who has the party later, uh, he thinks it's she's... Introduced. He thinks she's gold in my ear, but she's not. She's just Amy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, do you know, who... I, I looked this up, and I would have never. Even, I would unless. Actually, I think I got it from the commentary, and then I looked it up. But uh, played by Fanny Flagg, who wrote the novel *Fried Green Tomatoes*. 
Never would have known that. Exactly. Very interesting. It's, yeah, it's, it's a weird connection there. Never never read that, never seen the movie, but there you go. It's something, it's a bit, bit of trivia. S- Stay Hungry has a lot of things going for it. <laughs> yes, it does. So after we get uh, the the snobs introduced and get the plot moving a little, it's not moving forward, but being reminded of what it is, which is he really needs to buy this gym. Yeah. We cut back to the gym. And Joe is working out with Thor. And this is, I guess, furthering the... He's getting ready for the Mr. Universe, which the whole... Even the second time through, I'm like, why would the Mr. Universe be taking place in Birmingham, Alabama? Well, and also that Thor is running it. it that, I think well, this is it, where you learn that. And it's yeah. just like, that guy is running, running the Mr. Universe competition? And, and he's the holding thing is, all the is money? that, you know, I... I don't know if it wasn't as big of a competition maybe at this, you know, at this time. I, I, I don't know. It could be. It, you know, so, so maybe it wasn't and maybe there are, you know, like regional things. And it sounded like there were regional performances or whatever. I just. How could there be a regional Mr. Universe? I don't. It's the I, universe. I don't know. Mr. I, universe, parentheses, Alabama. <laughs> it, it was really confusing to me. Again, yes, because Thor is a creepy dude. Yeah. And of all the places in the world. Why would it be in Birmingham, Alabama? And I kind of, I actually also wondered to myself the second time through, why does this movie take place there? Because, you know, today when I see, you know, we watch movies, it's like, oh, it's because of tax credits. That's the reason why Breaking Bad is in Albuquerque. And, you know, this movie is down in, or um, True Detective was take, taking place in Louisiana. It's because of tax credits many times. Right. But this, that, that didn't exist back then. So it just seemed really random why it was there and they'd have Mr. Universe taking place in Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, well, I can tell you this also from the commentary. Oh, Appar- apparently, I learned, apparently I learned a lot from the commentary more Excellent. than I realized. Uh, but the the author of the original novel and co-author Charles Gaines is his name. His name. Yes. The novel was semi autobiographical. He's from Birmingham, and apparently, like the Jeff Bridges character is loosely based on himself. Whether or not is he actually was, okay? Was the bodybuilding also, or was I think so? I think that's all. Like he somehow made, became friends with a bodybuilder, oh, and okay, you know all that stuff. Like, I think a lot of this is semi auto. I don't know how much. Right, right what you know. Right. I mean, he he wasn't on the commentary. It would have been interesting if he was. I don't know if he's still alive or what. But, uh, uh, yeah, I think that and, – and really all it comes down to, I think, certainly the reason why it's set in Birmingham is because Charles Gaines was from Birmingham. Okay. So, I mean, that at least is that. So then you uh, you get uh, – so, some of the stuff I really liked, I'm not sure if he was acting, but you get a couple of scenes here where – or sequences. I don't know. It's really the same scene of – Schwarzenegger teaching Bridges yeah. you know, how to work out. Well, he shows up to try to close this deal because he, he, the guy at the country club pestered him. He's like, you've got to close this deal. Yep. He goes over and tries to talk to Thor and Thor's like, it's Saturday. I don't talk business. And so <laughs> I think it's Jeff Bridges is like, well, well, I'm here. I'll just I'll work oh, out. I've got a little workout in. What I had in my notes is it seemed like it was just Arnold being Arnold. It didn't seem like he was necessarily acting in any of this. Yeah, this feels very like it was all, they were just kind of you know, making it up as they went and improvising it. There's the part where uh, <laughs> Blake gets on like he like stomach down on like a thing, and he's just like, "Oh, when I was in school, we used to do this." And, and I, never, I never do that. I one. Never do that one. That that was a great line. That's the that's the best line from that scene. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was one. intended to be a comedic moment too, but I do think it worked. I, I never do that. One. Well, I, I'm intended. sure it was, I'm sure it was an ad lib by Arnold, and when they were editing, it's like, "Oh, that's that's actually funny. Let's oh, leave that okay. in." That's, that'd be my guess, but uh, yeah. And this oh, this is where we learn about. Uh, first of all, we learn why he uh, wears the. The Batman outfit, yes, because he thinks it's funny. He goes, "Last year I went a, I wore a Frogman costume. <laughs> you should have seen that one." He says something like that, and then yeah, he's, and he, then it's, yeah, you get the background that Thor helped Joe, and that's or Joe come over, and that's the reason why he's working so hard to try and win Mystery Universe to pay him the money back. Yeah, he doesn't care about the title; he needs the money to pay back Thor. 
Which is the thing, like, how exploitative, exploitative are we to believe this relationship is? You know, it feels a little bit exploitative to the point where I feel, I feel like Jeff Bridges, or, or Blake, who is rich, should, you know, if he's Intervene. becoming friends with this guy, just be like, you know, you're doing this all just to pay back Thor? Like, I'll cover you. I've got all this money I don't know what to do with anyway. Like, just, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I, I... At least have that scene. I mean, you could have the scene and have Joe Santo go like, no, I don't feel comfortable. I, you know, have I his, his pride get in the way. Yeah, you know? something like that. But you're right. It, Thor is... Thor is a... For this type of movie... He's a very interesting character because he's he. You might be able to put him in your Legion of Doom. I think he would fit right. What's ironic is he's he actually he he, he belongs with the Legion yeah, of Doom, he right? Sure does. Well, we'll, we'll eventually get there. He sure does. Yeah. If if it wasn't Thor, if it was anybody other than that, he'd be like, oh, that makes sense. He paid for him to get over, and you know, Joe Santos trying to pay him back. But because it's Thor, you're going like, ah, that's just it. Just feels so exploited. Everything that guy does. Yes. Feels gross and exploited. Creeping. Uh, so again, um, we get another cut to a random party somewhere. Yeah, this one's fun though. I like. I, I enjoyed. It's just kind of fun hanging out with them to to a large degree. It, uh, it 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 kind of is. It has the the line which I had a note on is the I can only speak for myself on the his profession of the homosexual. Yeah. Uh, which was was I thought you know pretty interesting because in the seventies you know we're we're recording this in two thousand fifteen. It's a completely different world in two thousand fifteen. That. That actually was probably a pretty big deal, um, talking, you know, kind of about that. Just acknowledging it? Just acknowledging it. Yeah, yeah, I think it probably was. Probably. I don't know. I mean, the 70s was kind of when it started to open up. It I mean, was, you know, we mentioned YMCA earlier. Like, it was, there, was, I, there was that stuff. It was a little more, like, like encoded, you know. It was kind of like in speak where you couldn't really come out and say it, but you kind of, there's, you know. It, YMCA, the song, isn't actually about, you know, it's a... It, it's you, not, but to I mean, hear there, it, you wouldn't know. There, it was there, about. I mean, but there, there still was a lot. I mean, the '80s and the um, it, there was there was a lot, a lot of progress to be made. So I guess what I'm saying is that that that's that's not something that I expected necessarily to be kind of openly acknowledged. Yeah, I agree. Um, in in a in a bodybuilding movie from 1976 or whenever this movie. Well, in that same vein, those jorts that Jeff Bridgesert's wearing certainly uh, that's that's its own progress See, in and of I, itself. I have, it, I have it written down that that's just another Arrested Development moment. That that's where Tobias <laughs> Fuke's cutoffs come from. Is, is the dead knew. dove and the uh, the cutoffs are from that scene. Yeah, <laughs> these jorts. Uh, he wears them so often. There's like four scenes. Where she's yes. like, stop wearing those. Oh my Please god, stop. Jeff Bridges. It is the 70s. Uh, and, and so we, uh, so along with this, what we didn't say is there's a, a character that's brought along. That's, it's not really Blake's date. I'm not sure what she is, but she's one of the snobs. Yeah. That that he that I, and maybe she's not even really a full snob, but she's from his other world that he's bringing along to this party. She seems to take a liking to Joe, and then Blake is <laughs> she, able to. She sure does. Yes, <laughs> is able to to then uh, scoot away with Mary Tate and go water skiing, and so all I have is. <laughs> I just—it's probably only a minute of the movie. Monk. Why is there water skiing in this movie? I think it was just the filmmakers wanted to hang out by a, a river and go water skiing, and it's just like let's just make a scene where they go water skiing, so we, now we can go water skiing. Apparently so. I but, don't know. But in the vein of that slobs versus snobs thing, when when because her name is Dorothy, this woman from the country club. Okay, Dorothy. Uh, and uh, Mary Tate, when they first meet each other, she's got a beer. She's like, "You want a beer?" And she just opens it right in her face, and just like Psh! is the most like forced like. Where are the slobs? It's just trying a little I, too hard. I, now to I yes, now set. I remember it. I forgot about to set the the the, dif- the differential between them. Right, the the class gap between yeah. uh, the two the two couples. 
but uh, who do swap halfway through. Because, yeah, yes. they're kind of... It's, it's the 70s, so of course they're going to. Well, at the end of the, the date, because, yeah, uh, uh, Blake's there with Dorothy and Joe's there with uh, Mary Tate, and then by the end of the night, they've switched dates. And uh, Dorothy says something like, she goes like, is that what they call pimping? <laughs> Remember that line? Yes. I was like, that's a pretty, that's, that's the correct thing to say. Like, that's, yes. that's maybe the funniest line of the movie. Where, it, it, it was a good one. Because Joe Santos like, Mary Tate, or like, Blake, why don't you drive Mary Tate home? And she's like, okay, gotcha. And then once they leave, wink. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, so what I took from it is that, oh, look, it's the swing in 70s. Apparently, even on dates, they're just going to randomly uh, swap and trade dates. Yeah. Uh, and so now, you know, we, we get Mary Tate and Blake's character in his house, uh, they get uh, friendly with one another. And this is what I said, too, that the, the morning after, I, I, I'm not sure how much of that really matters. The morning after, I'm just convinced that it was Sally Field. We need to make, she wanted to make sure everybody knew, this is really my butt. This isn't some <laughs> body double. This is really me. Yeah. I am Gidget and the Flying Nun no more. Yeah. Uh, it's a weird scene because she, she like, when in the morning she wakes up, and she goes, you lied to me. And it's like, what, what's she angry about? And then she turns out, she's like, oh, you're not a businessman. You're a hunter. Look at all these trophies. It's like, what? Are you actually upset? Or is she joking? Like, I, I didn't understand that conversation at all. No. Like, why? I, I, I still don't know if she was actually upset. Like, if, even if she's pretending to be upset about what? Like, I don't know. I don't know. But this is where Scatman Crothers Yes, w- William. And what's great is that he, I don't know if it was intentional or what, but he looks like he, he tied one on the night before himself. <laughs> I mean, he's got a bow tie, but he just looks disheveled. I think they're just trying. He's just playing an old man because he wasn't that old at the time. But I think they're they're trying to. They put like a weird wig on him. I don't know if you noticed. Like that's, I don't no, think I that, didn't notice. I that. don't think that's his hair. Okay, but I think they're trying to make him look much older. Like he's trying to play like this old decrepit guy because he's been in their service. I think they say for fifty-two yeah, for, years. I was going to say for decades. I don't remember how many, but for I'm pretty oh. sure. I'm pretty sure the number is fifty-two. So if you figure he's he's been employed right, with the family 50. for fifty-two years, he's got he's at least in his upper sixties, lower seventies. Seventies, yeah. But I don't think Scatman Scatman Crothers must have been in his fifties, late late forties. You know, so he, uh, you know, he's he's uh, Alfred to uh, Bruce Wayne, but he's he's. He's quite disappointed in in uh, in, in Blake and yeah. who in the company that he's keeping. Yeah, he doesn't come out and say it yet, but you can see it. As you he, can you can see it in in his reaction. Although, come on, don't just barge in. Like I don't care. Like he he must know that she's there. Yeah. How could he not know? I mean, maybe he was. It's a big place, but there's nobody else there, so it's not that big. Yeah, and they have breakfast, and this is where we learn uh, that Blake's parents died in a plane crash. He tells the story, and not much more happens there. It's just that's. He, not not really. The only thing that I I had noted is that we I, I get the Ken Burns music again during, during <laughs> that, him him explaining that. And I'm like, oh oh, I'm back in a Civil War movie. I For a while I was I was in the 70s, but I'm I'm headed back to to the Civil War. Yeah, I didn't notice that. I I, I, I yeah. Again, I I really have nothing to say about this score because it's so there's not a lot of it, and when no. it is, there's just it's just that stuff. Yes. But uh, we're we're coming up on the, the all the bluegrass, like all the mountain music coming up, and that stuff I kind of like because the skiing sequence it's all just like banjo music, and then uh, the end of the movie when the, the chaos ensues, which we'll get to. Uh, like a lot of this movie is just scored by just like just banjo, which I kind of I kind of enjoyed, even though a lot of times it was a weird fit. Like that that last scene where all the, well, the we shouldn't get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, I, that stuff I liked. I, that piece of the score I liked. The, the the Civil War Ken Burns stuff, not so much. 
So we, um, again, this is, I don't know, this is a, a rough transition, but we get a poker game going between all of the, uh, the, the Legion of Doom, I believe we've described them. <laughs> this time I called them the League of Shadows. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, apparently I wasn't consistent with my... In oh, my I, I like it, though, because I just referenced that it was Alfred and Bruce Wayne, and now we have the League of Shadows. Yes. Apparently Ra's al Ghul is, <laughs> is involved in this movie. Apparently so. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't really have anything. It's they're restless. I mean, that, that's really all I have. Again, it's I, yeah, we get no new information. No. It's just to remind, remind us that they exist. That they and, exist. Yeah. So we don't forget about these guys. Don't forget about the League of Shadows. Well, it's the kind of thing where this movie is trying to keep the tension. It's trying to remind you that there is kind of some plot tension there, but the characters are not acting like Blake is not acting in any way. Like there's any he's feeling the heat from no. these guys. He doesn't care. He's just no, kind he's, of. Meandering around, hanging out, doing some going skiing. water skiing. <laughs> he's you know having sex on the stairs. Right. He's having breakfast. He's a dude, right? I mean, he could just as easily be wandering into Ralph's right now, <laughs> right. trying to get some half and half. Quite possibly the laziest man in Birmingham. Yes, in Birmingham, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, I guess that's why that scene's there. Is just that the audience needs to be reminded, like, hey, there actually is a plot. It's still happening. <laughs> We're not we're not there yet, but it's still there. Uh, there there is a plot. Yeah. Uh, so now from that we transition back. I think they're Mary Tate and Craig are on a date. Is is what I think. Yeah. Speaking of the most pointless scene in the movie, this scene and it's uh, funny because on the commentary Bob Rafelson flat out admits it because the scene where yeah they're out on a date and they're talking. Sally Field is in an extremely short dress. <laughs> no, that's right. I mean yeah. it, it's yeah. I wouldn't want. My daughter going out. I just, I kind of laugh. I'm like, wow, it's, this is not the South that, that I know. There's no question that uh, her uh, her posterior was one of the stars of this movie. Yes. They're, they're definitely, uh, it's getting a lot of attention from the, from the camera. Yes. But she's tell, talking about how uh, she doesn't read fortune cookies. She saves them, and then at the end of her life, she wants to read them all and see how her life went. <laughs> which is an interesting idea. It's funny, because I have a similar policy, although I don't save them, but I never read fortune cookies. I have a policy, I, whenever I'm getting Chinese, I will eat the cookie, and I deliberately... I, my, you, don't, you don't want to know your future. My policy is never read it. So because well, it's pointless. It's well, just I, I thought maybe you just took Dr. Emmett Brown's uh, advice too seriously <laughs> that no man should know too much about his own future. Yeah, maybe. I, I either don't take those cookies seriously or take them very seriously. It's one or the other. Um, so in this pointless scene, the only thing... I, I don't know why I enjoyed it, but I did kind of enjoy just the randomness. Um, first, the thing I had was that it was at the Bank for Savings building. I just liked that. So <laughs> oh, apparently people just save their money there. No loans are made at this bank. Just deposits are taken at the, for, at the Bank of Savings. I thought it was great. <laughs> and maybe it's because I'm in banking, but I'm sure that that probably was a real bank. Is it like and, the opposite of a credit union? It's uh, just yeah. a, sa- <laughs> the saving, the exactly. savings union. It just takes, uh, just takes deposits. But so then the entire scene is they look up in this office building and there's a painting on the wall. And Mary Tate makes mention of it, and Blake decides, I'm going to steal it. It's on the second floor, and they're across the street, and she goes, like, that's a nice painting. It's how can you even tell what, and, and it turns out she didn't even know what it was, because she was wrong. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he goes in, and he steals this painting. It's just like, I'm going to have this adventure. We're going to go in and steal this painting. And I was going to say, this is what uh, Bob Ravelson admitted on the commentary this is just a scene he had written for another movie that didn't get made. And he's just like, I really like this scene, and I wanted it to be in a movie. <laughs> so I put it in this one. He's like, yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. It has, it has, no, it has no reason for this scene to be here. I thought, well, here's what I'll say. I enjoyed the scene, but I will admit that just to jam it into a movie because I kind of like the randomness doesn't make any sense either. It is a weird fit because Blake goes from this kind of guy who is just kind of coasting and not 
right? And all of a sudden, he takes just, initiative. Yeah, he's just I'm gonna, and he's just this weird comedic character who's outsmarting everybody. It's just it's a it's a weird fit. But yeah, he goes up and he steals this painting, and then he brings it down. And she goes, oh, it's flowers. I thought it was a lion. I don't want it. And he just gives it to some <laughs> passerby. Who, and the passerby, played by the director, by the way. Oh, I didn't Bob know Rafelson. that. He decides, yeah, I'm going to keep this painting. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, I'll keep it. <laughs> that, that, that's the one part of the scene that's kind of funny. Like, so from now that we've established that it was just a random scene that was in there for no real reason, we go back to the gym. So we're at least back at the focal point. <laughs> right. And we're getting a karate class. Uh, the only thing I really have is that we eventually get to more indication of dialing up the creepiness of Thor is really what I get from from this sequence. Oh yeah, there's that's I mean that for sure. But before we get to that, I, I liked this karate sequence. Just these like inept, like it's, it seems like housewives, yeah, and just just her frustration about like I don't know if they're terrible learners or I'm a terrible teacher. And she tells a story about the housewife or who hit. Oh, she he, she punched her husband in his private area. She yes. says. And then, then I have karate chopped to the nuts to settle marital issues. <laughs> I like the way she's, she described it, though. His private area. And then that woman comes in. We, like, I forget. We learn her name. Then she, she comes in like, ah! And, just, and uh, you know, we see uh, her overzealousness. Yeah, so, so what I was reminded of is this is actually somewhat of Caddyshack-esque of when um, the caddies are out with some of the inept golfers. In, in particular, there's one with Denunzio out with the Habercams, and they're, they're two old people that are just absolutely terrible. That's what this scene made me think of, is <laughs> yeah. the quote-unquote slobs having to deal with, you know, I know they're not necessarily the snobs, the housewives, but I kind of made the, the, that connection. Yeah, but this scene, literally nothing happens. We nope. get that comedic karate scene, and we see Thor being a creep, which we already kind of knew he was a creep. Yes, but we're dialing it up. Now he's a peeping Tom. And then she runs upstairs. Mary Tate runs upstairs and, and says hi to Joe and jumps in his arms. Uh, that whole transition didn't make any sense to me. I, I thought she was running up because she realized that she was being you know spied on while training or changing. Oh, right. And all of a sudden, she's ex- she's excited to see Joe. So two things were confusing to me. One, I thought she was running up because she was going to give a karate chop to the nuts to Thor. <laughs> yeah. But then she's excited to see Joe. She just was sleeping with and having breakfast with Blake. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it's excessive affection is what I wrote down. Yes. I don't I It's, I mean, their relationship is very uh, ambiguous, let's just say. like, I, No clue what's going on there. <laughs> I mean, again, I think it's probably just, it was the 70s. Is it, is it, yeah, this movie has a very key party vibe to it. Yes. For sure. Ah, key, again, I, Stanley Kubrick <laughs> had to have been watching Stay Hungry when he was, you know, preparing for Eyes Wide Shut. Yeah, but uh, that's, I mean, that's all that happens in that scene. There's no plot. It's just nope. like, here's some stuff that happened. And then we go back to the, the mansion where uh, Blake and his buddy are talking. <laughs> and, and Blake is checking out the barrel, of, down, looking down the barrel of a gun. Yeah. Like, that's not a good idea. And I'm pretty sure he was drinking at the time as well. And the guy, the guy comments that he's like, oh, you, you're expecting some bison? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he says something like that. Uh, yeah, he's chomping on a carrot, which I guess maybe is a Bugs Bunny reference. I don't know if this character is supposed to be like, is that what the idea is? Maybe. I, I don't know. Bugs Bunny. But effectively, you got again that they're trying to push that, hey, there is a, a plot here, and the investors, uh, they're getting a little restless. Yeah. But that's and, it. And but then, ra- rather than respond in any way, he just goes, karate, and chases him out of the house. Yes. What is happening in this movie? I don't like it's it, you keep expecting the plot to advance. Like it, these characters are trying so hard to advance the plot. This guy's going to his mansion, going like, "Hey, this thing needs to happen. Just make a decision one way or the other. You can't just do nothing." 
and he just goes karate and chases him away, and nothing nothing is resolved. Nope. There's no reason for the plot other than to now watch. We, I was just, and now what we do is we have a couple of more scenes that really don't advance the plot. Yeah, because what's next? It's it's so hard. It's a good thing we, took, we both took notes because I definitely wouldn't even know. Well, Mary Tate and um, Blake they play dress up. And oh, right, that's I, next. They yeah. dress up because again, I think she, she doesn't have probably as many clothes on as she should. Right. Uh, and this is where William says, "Enough is enough. I'm I I I can't take this anymore." And I do have written down here 52 years, so you are right. Yes. Yeah, I want I want to play a clip, and this is it's a little bit visual, but tell me what is happening. Because, yeah, he's, he's upset and he's, he's, he's quitting. And he goes, I'm taking my stuff, your grandmother or whoever. Yes, because there's a portrait of his grandmother in the room where they're playing dress-up. And William Scatman Crothers has, has had enough. Yeah, so here, here's him quitting. And, again, this is a little visual, but uh, we'll try and describe it. He's taking his... Come on, Willie. He's going to come back in and say... And I'm taking everything that belongs to me. And Your grandmama left me a whole lot of stuff in her well. She left me this here too. Okay, he's, <laughs> so he's pointing at a piece of a, a suit of armor. A suit of armor. What's he doing here? He's looking down, and he smiles. Don't worry, honey. I'll be back to get you. What was that? What did he just do? I don't. I don't know. He's looking down at the crotch region. And he and smiles. And you hear something going, wink, wink, like, a, like, a, like a valve being turned. And he smiles. What is that scene? I don't know, but I didn't actually notice it as much. It's so weird. I don't know. Because Scatman also, he's got a kind of a, a mischievous smile when, he, when right. he's doing it. And he turns, as you said, what sounds like a valve. He looks at his crotch. He does something down off the bottom of the screen. It makes a squeaking noise. And he, makes a, and he has a creepy smile. What the hell is happening? What is this movie? I don't know. But see, the thing is, is this whole time as we're talking about this, I know you like random stuff like I do. I thought you would have liked this a lot more because there's a lot of there's a lot of bad stuff, but there's a lot of good random stuff in this. I like because like there's stuff like that where it there through most through a lot of this movie it feels very real and kind of slice of life, and then you get those surreal moments like Joe Santa wearing the crazy mask and just whatever that was we just watched. Uh, the ending, which is very surreal, the, the kind of the just after the uh, competition, what happens? Uh, I keep talking around it because I don't want. We'll, we'll get to it, but you save like, the best for last. Yeah, but th- there are these surrealist moments, and th- that's the stuff I enjoyed the most. It's just the down to earth, just like we're skiing now, and now we're hanging out at the mansion, and now you know I'm meeting with my buddy who wants to talk about this this real estate deal for the fourth time, and <laughs> without anything being resolved again. That's the stuff. Like there are, there's good in this movie. It's not a bad movie. I don't dislike it. I liked it the sec- better the second time I watched it. You know, I, I was able to pick out the, the stuff I liked, but stuff like that I like because it's so crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> so what we then get is we get some more some more Civil War, uh, <laughs> right? Uh, voiceover. Uncle Alfred uh, is coming back from South Africa. So I. My first time through, it was unfair because I, I wrote down, why doesn't he just fly down to Birmingham? All right, he was in South Africa. That, that's not a hop, skip, and a jump. But we get word Uncle Alfred's coming back, and he remains disappointed. Well, sure, but it's the 70s. Jets exist. Like it's, yes. that's, that's less than a day. Like it's, not like, uh, it's not like he's going to take a, a boat or anything. Uh, but so yeah, then now, after this, after we get this voiceover and William has quit, we get maybe the most random, and I... For for my money, I didn't know this was coming, and it it was worth. I think I paid eight ninety nine for this DVD, 
it was worth every penny. I agree. This is my favorite part of the movie. It is, even though uh, it's a, an, another scene that has no purpose and it does not yes. advance the plot at all. But I don't care. I I am with you 100. percent So so what we get is Blake and Santo Schwarzenegger and Bridges yes. go on I guess a road trip. It's not really a road trip, but they're going specifically to somewhere off the beaten path. Yeah, they just pull over to the side of the road and Blake's like, where are you taking me? And Santo's like, don't worry, I'll, uh, just uh, trust me. If it was Thor, I would have been very concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> don't, go, don't go to the side of the road with don't Thor. Don't go to the side of the road with Thor. But it is a hillbilly fiddle competition and it is Arnold Schwarzenegger participating in a fiddle. It's not so much a competition. It's just kind of. It's just a hoedown. A hoedown. Okay, you're right. I, 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 was, I, I was beating around the bush. It was a. It's a hoedown. You have Arnold Schwarzenegger in a hoedown. Playing how the, playing it, the fiddle? Yes, playing the fiddle. How can it get one? Two things. How did Freddy Krueger not outline curling, bowling, bodybuilding, fiddle? How did we not know that this was coming? That should have been in there. I don't think he knew though. I think this this feels like a thing where he's a little. He's embarrassed. Yeah, he's a little secretive about it. This is a secret little passion that he he just comes with these hangs out with these guys when he doesn't want to hang out with the bodybuilding guys. I, I, and I wish I had more to talk about. There really isn't. I mean, in terms of what they're playing, I don't really care. Well, I love it. And the thing is, it's funny. I I in the last couple of years, I've really discovered like bluegrass music, and I kind of really like bluegrass. This is a, this isn't quite bluegrass. It's just kind of more just kind of. Mountain music. I don't know. I don't know what the distinction is. I'm not an expert, but uh, it's bluegrassy and it's you know really good. And I think obviously found some really good musicians, and they just yeah they just got them together and said, hey, you guys have fun and play some music and We're play do a random thing in this '70s movie, and you're yeah, gonna be in it. But they just they just went there and filmed. You could tell like they they just put a camera down and just, they just filmed these guys having some fun playing fiddle and banjo. And yeah, all. it was very organic or natural. Yeah, and it's it's really fun to watch. And it's and, fun- and I I will say I had no idea. I mean, I knew a little bit about the plot, and it sounded, you know, a little crazy when I read the back of the DVD for our last episode. <laughs> I had zero clue that Arnold Schwarzenegger was going to be playing the fiddle. I, the smile was ear to ear, and I'm glad that I own this DVD just to be able to show people that scene. <laughs> it is good, and and he's pretty plausible. Yes, I, I don't know the the commentary. Bob Ravelson implied that Arnold learned to play the fiddle. I don't know if I believe How true that. Yeah, but. It looks like he at least kind of he's pantomiming it well enough because you know a lot of times you watch movies and actors pretend to play guitar and it's like you obviously don't know what you're doing. I mean, I, I bought it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun watching him just being part of a hoedown. Arnold Schwarzenegger. That concept, I mean, just think about that. Yeah, <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger in a hoedown. It's great. It's amazing. It's no question about it. It's leaps and bounds my favorite part of this movie. And then uh, they they form a circle and, this, and uh, Jeff Bridges. The, 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 there's that one guy, there's that old dude who's always shuffling and is doing the dance, and he's doing a dance, and then he pulls Jeff Bridges in, and Jeff Bridges does his dance. And yes. It's kind of like, a, I, I think he's intentionally like copying the Scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. Right. He's doing that kind of a thing. Uh, but the only the only thing, I mean, that's, that's fun watching Jeff Bridges do his dance. He's obviously just kind of goofing around. They should have had Arnold get in there and dance. I, I agree. That is That maybe was the only disappointing yeah, part of that it, scene. 100%. Because I'm just like, oh. As soon as Jeff Bridges Such started dancing, yeah. As soon as Jeff Bridges started dancing, I was like, "Oh, where's Arnold? Is he in this scene? Do I see him there?" And I, I didn't spot him. I'm like, "Oh, I'll bet they don't do it." And I, oh, I was so upset. All I wanted to do was watch Arnold dance to a fiddle. So we uh, then cut back to the gym. It's um, I'm going to guess the same day at night, and the karate instructor and Freddy Krueger 
Franklin and I can't remember her name. Anita. Anita are headed back to the gym. I, I'm I'm not sure if uh, they they were going to use the gym for some extracurricular activities. <laughs> yeah. But they go in and the uh, the Auburn lovers are in there vandalizing uh, the gym. Yeah, which is a pretty big coincidence that that hired muscle that. Uh, that uh, uh, Mr. Gazzo, whatever that guy's name is, Jabo. Godfather, Godfather, yeah, Jabo, Jabo or Jabo, I can't remember which one. Yeah, I think it's Jabo. Jabo. But he happened. He just happened to hire these two guys from from the bar. From the bar. Uh, like, there's no other muscle in all of Birmingham. Plus, plus some third guy that we'd never seen before. But uh, yeah, they're trashing the place. Yeah, so they they trash it. Um, Freddy Krueger gets the uh, get, gets. He doesn't right. so f- fare so well, but. Uh, yeah, the, the the ball in the side pocket, or whatever the line is. Yes, that they they, they figured out the you you alluded to the pool cue. They they figured it out later on. Yeah, they got another uh, chance. They got another, they got another crack at him. There wasn't enough used of Anita using her karate. No, because there's this fight. There's a fight upstairs that's just shot with like flashlights, and you can't really tell what's going on. And yeah, Robert Englund gets overpowered very quickly. And then downstairs, Anita's he, she like kicks that guy once, and that's it. But then they all get away. It's like she could have done more than that if she's this karate black belt. So the you know the next day, Thor is despondent that uh, you know all these customers are going to sue him. <laughs> yeah, I kind of what customers? What customers? And what I said is that they trash the place, but I'm not really sure it looks all that much worse. No, you could still work out in there. Like <laughs> it was kind of a crappy place to begin with. Well, it's like the workout equipment. They can't trash that. Like it's all made of steel. Like what? What did they do? Right. They, Spray paint it, maybe? Just, like, just you that whole concept, it. I laughed at it. I was like, what, are they going to get together as a class action, Thor? I don't really think they care. Yeah. Because, I mean, what are, even if you paid a year in advance, well, I mean, what were the dues? You're not going to sue for that. You're just going to say, forget it. You're just going to go somewhere else. Well, just considering how few people we see in there, I actually looked up the minimum number of people that you need for a class action lawsuit. <laughs> Why did you look that up? Well, apparently there is no legal minimum. Minimum, generally speaking, of judges will throw out, a, throw out a class action lawsuit if there are fewer than 20 plaintiffs. And I'm going like, I don't know if he has 20 customers. You don't see that many people. No, you do not. Although the karate class is pretty full. So even I, just just based on the karate class, there's at least 20 there. But you don't need equipment for a karate class. No, and they, still do they may have only signed up for the karate class. They might not be members of the gym, right? That's, they may be paying a la carte for that. Or that, That's a good point. Because I, I think Mary Tate seems like maybe she's, I don't know if it's aerobics, but it seems like she's also an instructor. Because I think they established she was a gymnast or something. So I don't think that because she's in workout clothes. Yeah, I, you never see her doing anything. You don't though. see her doing anything, but I, I, it was implied to me that she also did something there, uh, other than just being like the you know at the reception area. But anyway, I, I'm not sure if aerobics would have been a thing yet. I mean, mm. I know it was in the '80s. I don't know, but I, I, I got the impression that she did something other than. I mean, just yeah, probably welcome people, right? So anyway, but you Thor- then uh, Blake lends Thor money. Yeah, uh, again, what didn't make any sense to me is help out Joe. Yeah, like, that, that made me so mad. Yes, I, it makes no sense. For, like from this point all the way through, because there's going to be a party at the country club in a second. I just and it's part of the reason I think why the, my first viewing you you didn't. I hated Blake. Like even at the end, I was like, you didn't redeem yourself in my eyes. I don't. I don't like no. I just, he drove me crazy. Why are you lending this guy money? Oh, uh, he's clearly. A creep. Yes. And he's like grabbing you in the first meeting. It, it, make, it makes no sense. And it's just an IOU. It's not even like a loan loan. It's just, no. Just, there's no I, right. interest. It's not like you could have played this off that this was his ploy yes. to be able to get control of the gym. Right? right. That he gets a mortgage or whatever and he knows he's not going to be able to pay him back. It's just like a, he's friends with him. It's 
You're, you're friends with Joe. Well, get, the, get Joe from out from under this creep. Well, the, the frustrating, frustrating thing about it is, because I get the idea that he wants to save this gym. Because by this point, he's made friends with a lot of people here, and he likes the gym. He's working out at this gym. That I'm fine with. But don't say... He shouldn't care about Thor. Because in the end of the movie, to spoil the end, but uh, at the end of the movie, he owns this gym and he refuses to sell it. He, and he, he could have very easily... Yeah, he could have taken this opportunity to say, like, look, you, you owe this money. You can't pay it. I'll buy it out for me. I'll save you. That, I mean, that would be helping Thor out. Right. But look, I'll, I'll buy the gym, and that way you don't have to deal with this expense. It'll be on me. And it would have saved a lot of grief for a lot of people if he had just done that, and in the end, it would have been the same result. Yeah. But I, no, he's just like, I'm going to give you, here's $5,000. Like, if you care about this gym, just, just buy it and do exactly what you do anyway. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. So uh, you then get yet, yet another party. <laughs> there really are a lot in the 70s. Well, first he's sulking at home. I guess maybe this is before the party. Yes. I, oh, they're, they're getting ready, and uh, this is another dress where <laughs> she's not wearing very much. Yeah, well, at least this one they comment on. Yes. Uh, Joe Santo is just like, I don't think that's appropriate when he sees her at the party. Yes. Like, Do you think that's an appropriate dress? Uh, Which, by the way, Santo, I had it looked like Buffalo Bill in the uh, in the cowboy outfit that they had him. Yeah, this this is it's. There aren't a lot of links between sabotage and this movie, but that was my link. Cowboy Arnold. Yes, I love Co- Cowboy Arnold. We've had two movies with Cowboy Arnold, and man, I think there's really only one more movie that has Cowboy Arnold, and we we won't be getting to it for a while because I think I think really the Last Stand is the only other right. That's that's really the, that's really it. But I love Cowboy Arnold. <laughs> Even this, which he's, he looks ridiculous. He looks beyond ridiculous. But I don't care. I love it. It looks like he actually. So well, the the other thing that came to mind is it looks like. We, granted, it would have been a much larger version, but it's it, it looked like the outfit that Marty McFly has in Back to the Future Two. Yeah, but way more silk or it's, three. Excuse me, Back to the Future Three when he right. you know needs to blend in as a cowboy, but right. it, you're, but more silky because it's the seventies, so it needs to be silky. Yeah, it's very silky and shiny. We should clarify because there's this party being uh, thrown at the country club, and uh, he suggests to whatever her name is the fried green tomatoes. Uh, Mary, I think maybe. Yeah, yeah whatever that could be. But she's thrown this party, and she wants she wants to find authentic entertainment. Entertainment, and he suggests Joe and his uh, bluegrass folks. Yes, to be the entertainment. So he's there in his cowboy outfit. He he's rented it. He's just like you know. Oh, I rented it. I needed wanted to find something. You know, it, it's clearly rented, authentic to wear. But uh, yeah, that's that's why he's there. Is he and his bluegrass buddies are are the the entertainment. They're the entertainment, and you know, basically, this entire party is Blake being a jerk and you know trying to, I guess, uh, straddle both worlds, maybe, and and still keep his you know old friends. But really, the entire time, uh, Arnold's being made fun of. Mary Tate feels neglected, and really, it's just Blake kind of being a jerk and unsympathetic. So I can understand why you'd walk away from this and say you just lent this total creep five thousand yeah. dollars. You're then sulking in your mansion, <laughs> right? Sulking in your mansion, Bruce Wayne, and then you're going and being a total jerk to your new friends at this this party. Yeah, and it's a weird thing because like, it's trying to show he's like still like is concerned about how he's seen in this like world. It's like right. by his rich friends and what they think of him, and he's trying he's trying to impress them, saying like, "Hey, this guy Joe Santo, he's really cool. <laughs> like, check out all the things he can do. He's a bodybuilder and he plays his fiddle and blah blah blah." But he's just embarrassing himself, and he's yes. he's he's very being very dismissive of Mary Tate, and I don't know, like it's. It's a weird sequence. It is. And so, you know, Arnold, uh, Joe Santo eventually gets frustrated because they're, you know, being made fun of. So he, he calls off the jam 
Well, and first of all, there's a couple of things I want to talk, talk about in this scene because we, we meet Uncle Albert very casually. Oh, yes. Like, he's just, he's not even really introduced. It's just, he's, you know, Blake is in the bathroom, I think. He's just talking to some old guy. Yes. And we only learn, like, at the end of the scene. That but this, he's not, this he's is not Uncle, just an attendant in the bathroom. <laughs> right, that's what I thought, too. No, this is Uncle Albert, our, our narrator, our, our Ken our, Burns narrator. Our Ken Burns narrator. It turns out, he, the, here he is, and he just, you didn't know, he said he was coming back, but we didn't know he was back. We didn't know what he looked like. It's just... This movie assumes we're going to know who he is, and then it's... We uh, eventually find it out. But they don't really talk about anything important. And then the other thing I want to bring up is uh, Joe Santo meets uh, Zoe, Joe and Zoe. But uh, remember, she's the girl, and she, she, it turns out she's a pilot. Yes. Yep. Uh, and she, he's like, oh, let me introduce you to Joe Santo. And Joe's like, I think I can introduce myself, <laughs> whatever he says. Yes, and then he He's basically just like, shoo, get out of here. Yes, I can, I, I can close on this. Uh, but that's, this is played by uh, Joanna, Joanna Cassidy. And she was in a lot of stuff, but the one place I know her from is uh, Blade Runner. She's oh, okay. one of the replicants in Blade Runner. I, I would not have made the connection. But I, know, I was like, oh, I, 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 it took me a while. I was like, I know her from something. And I, I looked her up and it was like, okay, yeah, from Blade Runner. All right. Yep. So, yeah, so you get that introduction, which has a little bit, you know, brief scene a little bit later. Uh, you get Uncle Albert, but then effectively the, it at least moves things forward where he, Blake has failed miserably at his attempt Mary Tate storms out, you know, in a huff. Well, first she uh, she plays uh, kissy pants with Ed Bagley outside. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Zero Defects. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what Mr. Zero Defect. Basically, all this stuff. I'm like, all right, let. I, I was something I, about his factory. He's got a pin that says Zero Defects, but the movie doesn't explain what the hell they're talking about. She's just like Zero Defects. See this pin? I'm just like, what are you guys even talking? <laughs> I don't understand the words that you're saying. He's upset about Japanese tools. Yeah, I, yeah. So I, like, these yeah. Japanese tools are killing us. Yeah, I, I guess I don't know if it was you know the early days of Six Sigma quality you know control or what. <laughs> yeah. I, I I don't know, but please don't bring up Six Sigma. It's like I, 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 the less I hear those words together, the better. So the the point is, you get to the end of it, nobody's really happy, and everybody's everybody's gone home from the party not happy. Yeah, <clears throat> and this is our end of Act Two. Everything is terrible. Yes, moment. Uh, but before we finish the scene, because, yeah, they, they're all making fun of Joe Santo and his band. And we got our second pun. It's very offhand. I missed it the first time. I only caught it my second time watching. I don't think I got it, so give it to me. One of those jerks who, like, they're, like, sarcastic, sarcastically applauding, like, yeah, let's see. Like, like, yeah. It's, the, it's the, the Muscle Beach Orchestra or whatever this thing. And then one of the guys, after, after Joe Santo says, like, thanks, we're done, we're going to leave. And the guy goes, all right, let's give them a standing ovulation. <laughs> I missed that. Which I, I don't know if that's really a pun or not. But we're gonna uh, count it. Give it. Give it an O. Yeah, it's enough. This movie we need to stretch him. We need to, to stretch. That guy thought that was really funny. Standing ovulation. That guy thought he was the he was the he funniest was, guy in the party. He was the funniest guy in the room. <laughs> so you then I have the next sequence is Uncle Albert after meeting him in the bathroom. Uh, he looks at squirrels. And tells some family stories. And I, I mean, about, I, honestly, I don't think anything else really matters from this entire sequence. About goats. Well, first she leaves him, which is it's just a scene. It's a very melodramatic scene where she just storms out. Yeah. So I'm leaving and he screams that he needs her and all that. But it's just it's just a, very, it's just a stock kind of a breakup scene. Yeah, breakup. That's how she storms out in a huff. There's basically. literally nothing nope. noteworthy about that scene. Yeah, but, but Uncle Albert is noteworthy. The story about the goats. <laughs> this is another one of those moments is what is this movie? Your uncle so-and-so is a Frank or something. It's your uncle. Yes. He had a pet goat and he never got over it. That's what he says. What does that mean? 
He had a pet goat and he Please. never got over it. I assume it means that the goat died. Like, But what a weird thing just to be in the middle of this movie. I'm going to tell you a story about your uncle that just loved goats. Just, and it goes nowhere. Yeah, and he tells a story, and then, <laughs> and he tells a story like, okay, he he had to have, he started his goat farm in whatever Bermuda or whatever it was, and now what's the what's the line? He goes, now it's ba 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 all over the place. <laughs> so so I kind of want to. We should probably find that line because so, it's, uh, it's so uh, effectively it's the precursor to alpaca farming scam. Is is really what. It is. <laughs> But Investments in alpacas. That line just weirded me out so much. Bob, nah, that's probably not worth finding it. Yeah, so th- this is another one of those scenes where my second time through, I'm like, all right, I have something in my notes that this is irrelevant. Boom, I just skipped over it. I, I didn't need it another time. There's, there are too many scenes like that, though. There, so well, there the are a movie. lot. Um, yeah. So then in terms of really transition doesn't make sense we get a bunch of characters introduced in the next next sequence. Basically, it's a scene to remind you, oh, there is supposed to be this Mr. Universe competition. That's yeah. the whole point of that scene. Yeah, all these guys are signing up. Uh, they have to sign up in person. I guess it's the 70s. You can't, but it's like, you can't just mail this in. you got to show up in person. Uh, and Thor's collecting all the money. We meet these two weird brothers, and the one guy who has, like, they have their own language. And yeah, I, the whole, none of it makes sense. It's the... the that's one of those things like, okay, this is surreal, but not in a good way. Like, this no, just it, wasn't, it wasn't good. Weird. The, the, that cutting room floor, probably everything. Certainly the, their own language. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's almost like they wanted to go somewhere, but they ran out of time or money and just didn't have enough time for the, those characters. And so the whole other language thing was dropped. It's like the kind of thing you were talking about, uh, the, the, the Coen brothers. It's the kind of thing that they would do, only not nearly as good. Right. It's just like weird, quirky characters. Okay, this guy only speaks in this language that he made up. Like, in theory, that could be a funny... Entertaining. Like, if, if you hear... Okay, Coen Brothers made a movie, and there's this character who only speaks in this language that he made up. You can go, like, oh, yeah. I can see how that would be cool, like, funny or whatever. Not in this movie. It didn't work. No. So and the next scene... Uh, I No, I think there's a scene... With Blake, but I I don't I don't know what happened. Blake's at Dorothy's. Dorothy is the girl. Yeah, that the, the, he took to the ski his original date. Yes. So now he's back with her. Yes. And she's like, "Oh, you're back to your old self." And they cut to him just in the pool, like basically just comatose. Just yeah. I, the whole thing. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. That's what I meant. Is I'm just I, I, I no clue what was going on there. I think it's just to show that he's like back to Despondent his old or, yeah, or and he's back to his old habits of just I guess you know the, 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 his new friends that he made were. Enriching his life, and he's now he's rejected them, and he's back to being this dirtbag. So, so what you, the, after that, which is just another in my, my mind view, uh, throwaway scene, you get the full assemblage of Legion of Doom because Thor has a meeting with yeah, <laughs> Jabo and uh, the rest of the business partners. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is why I assumed they were they were hooked up with organized crime is that they're they're, they're Basically, trying to set set him up, up up as the like king pimp of Alabama. Yes, and they're bringing they're bringing these hookers and it's some weird. Uh, you got Thor, pretty racist, and some just some weird sex stuff that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And to me, the only thing I had is I'm like, yeah, this is the 70s. It's almost like they had to have this in there. It's again, it's stuff that is theoretically funny. Like, uh, but I mean, in practice, it was not. The one part that actually did make me laugh that I thought was genuinely funny is he's like, uh, I forget what it is. Like, they, they bring those two girls into the ho- wherever they're, in, they're like a hotel room or some kind of like a I don't know where they're meeting. Uh, and he's like, here, girls, he's like you know, 
meet uh, Mr. Erickson. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the gym. And they cut to the gym, and he's just in, on some machine just... He's just going crazy on some workout machine. Uh, that made me laugh. But the rest of this is just the weird stuff. There's a part where he's like, the girl's hanging upside down naked, and he's poking her with a stick. stick I, it's like, okay, I can tell that they think this is a punchline, but I don't think this is funny. It's just too weird and it, too creepy. It, yeah, I mean... I joked before that Eyes Wide Shut, Stanley Kruger got some ideas that hanging upside down and poked with a stick seemed more of like Eyes Wide Shut than what this movie was supposed to be. Yeah. I, you know, the less said about that scene, the better, I think. Yep. Although there is the part where, uh, what was the guy's name? He, he steals the money, right? I don't know. What, Newton? Newton, that's right. Because what happens, he, he's got the money. No, because there's money and they pay the prostitutes with some of that money. Okay. Thor pays him. But so then no, he's I, got more money. He's holding, he says, like, oh, some more for myself. And I wasn't sure if that was all the money or if he just, like... I don't. Th- I, don't I, didn't, I didn't take it that it was supposed to be all the money. Because the money is never resolved. That was the part that I wasn't conf- sure about. I was about. confused about that, too. Okay. I, I thought maybe he stole the money, but I wasn't, I wasn't sure. I was just like... But, but that was the only plot thing. I thought that was a plot point of he ran off with the money, but maybe not. Because, uh, yeah, I wasn't really sure. Uh, yeah, and then we see Joe at the airport with Zoe. And she, she she asked him, like, oh, I'll drive you to your pageant or whatever. She calls it a pageant. Which I, I miss pageant. That's great. <laughs> that that I thought was funny. But, yeah, he goes to the, and the competition is starting. and Yep, Blake uh, Blake heads backstage looking for Joe because he's, you know, we're, we're going to get the attempt at a reunion uh, with, with Mary Tate. And you, you get the line of the, or I should say the title of the movie from, from Joe. Oh right, he he won't stay comfortable. Doesn't want to ever be comfortable. Doesn't want to be comfortable. He's got to stay, stay hungry. He's got to stay hungry. Yeah, is this scene? I think this movie is trying to like advocate that. Like, do you think? Do you think this movie is saying, yeah, yeah, Joe Santos right, or is is it just like? That's what I. I mean, I. That's what I kind of get. The vibe is is that you you need to keep working, and Blake, you know, Bridges was just had everything handed to him it was just despondent and that's that that was the fault in his life where joe didn't have any have everything handed to him and look at him and what he worked i mean that i'm not you know agreeing or disagreeing but i i kind of got that that's that's what the vibe was supposed to be i guess but the context that it's set in because he's asking like you're gonna see zoe again he's just like no i gotta keep moving i gotta stay hungry it's just like well that's a like I, the sentiment of stay hungry, like I, I, I'm, I'm all for it. But this is the context that has been brought up. And the way it was brought like, up, you're probably right. This it's, is why he keeps dropping these girls behind him, is because yes. he's got to stay hungry. It's just, okay. I mean, whatever. Again, it's again 70s. though, it was the '70s. Yeah, it's, it's uh, that wasn't. I wasn't really sure if the movie is saying like Joe's got to figure it out, or if it's just kind of saying this is his point of view. Because now you know, and knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so you know, from that that scene, it it, it takes beyond a surreal turn. Oh, the, this this Mr. Universe competition is... Cool. No, but before the Mr. Universe is Mary Tate goes back to clear out her stuff. Oh, right. Well, and and Thor starts... I don't know what kind of drugs he was doing. I, it's beyond surreal. It's uh, it's amyl nitrate, as it turns okay. out, because I looked it up. Uh, yeah, well, it cuts back and forth between the competition and this stuff, but... But what you do... You're right. It, yeah. It's back and forth. That stuff is weird, but I, I do have to highlight, because I don't want to miss it, this was his introduction, and we, of course, have Arnold pumping iron just as all the way in Sabotage in 2014. They always have to work him. I mean, this movie completely makes sense as within the right context. Right. But I, I was glad to see that it's established from the very beginning in his movies. Well, he's got to pump him. You know, he's got to, you yeah, know, I, again, it gives him a little extra boost for the yes, competition or whatever. In this movie, it's not attack on. It, it, it 
serves a purpose. Yeah. But oh yeah, I mean the stuff happening back at the gym. Why is yeah, why is this in the movie? Right, it's not it's it's beyond the dial of creep. I mean, his just it's off the charts now. I mean, I, I guess it's just like he's out of control because he's this these drugs have just driven him mad or whatever. He's just gone drug crazy. Uh but that doesn't excuse it. Like just just this the this stuff should not be here. Nope. It doesn't it, it doesn't add anything. It only it only detracts because it's just like there's all this madcap stuff going on near the end of the movie, but the whole time you're just going like, no, this I'm not in a mood for madcap hijinks. No. Because basically what happens, you know, there, there's this Mr. Universe competition. We see Arnold doing his thing, flexing, and uh, uh, I forget who that other guy is who comes down to him. His and competition. Some, his, him and some other guy, the guy who can balance a beer can on his peck. Yes. Uh, Which actually, that was kind of awesome. It's Yeah, I mean, it's weird. It's just a, look what I can do. I mean, you lean back far enough, I could do that. <laughs> It's not really that impressive, but uh, yeah. So he wins the competition, but he learns that there's a there's this. Well, it, you know, while the competition is going on, yeah, Mary Tate goes back and he's in his drug craze, and you learn after the fact that it was an, it was an attempted rape. Yes, but Blake had gone back because Freddy Krueger tells him because he he want he's trying to grease up. Santo, and he wants him to basically get out of there. And he tells Blake, Mary Tate went back to collect her stuff, so Blake runs back to the gym. Right. She's at the gym. Thor's the gym. Thor, Thor is just... He's High out of his mind. Yeah, and you don't really see what happens, but he well, he grabs her and kind of tries to right. force her to, to do that hemal nitrate. Uh, and that's the last thing you see. And then when, when Blake gets there, she's disheveled and clearly like... She just know. wants to leave. Yeah, and it leaves to wait... It shouldn't leave that to your imagination. You only learn way after the fact that, oh, it, you know, you know, it was attempted rape. Right. No. It. But it, the whole time you're watching, going like, I'm not in a mood to laugh. Time, yeah, you don't know how much time lapsed. Right. Between you, you don't, know, you don't know what happened. You're only you're left to assume the worst. Right. And meanwhile, Joe Santo learns that she's in trouble. He runs out after him. All the other bodybuilders assume that he's trying to make off the money. They're all chasing him. There's this crazy madcap. This is the thing I've been talking around the whole time. The, cr- the crazy, surreal scene of all the bodybuilders running through the streets of Birmingham like, uh, just, and just causing chaos. And it's like, this is a crazy, hilarious madcap scene that I would... But it, the, the, the tone or the, you know, what yeah, it's... This whole time we're just going, well, what happened to Mary Tate? It, just assuming the worst. And it's just not... We're not in any mood to... no. To, but the, so the only thing that, that that you missed is you cut out, and I have I, for you know what this movie is, and I know you were disappointed that they have Arnold in that early bar fight and he's not involved. I, I got to say that the the fight sequence between Blake, Jeff Bridges, and Thor, I went back and it it's really good. I mean, I I, I thought it, I think it's really good. It do, it doesn't look like you you agree with me. I thought it was really well done. It's 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 not badly done. I mean, you know, I don't, I, I don't think it's great. I think it's like it's an okay fight scene. As far as like you know, this kind of a, it's obviously very trying to be very realistic and kind of it's, it is it is pretty brutal in spots. Right. Uh, That's yeah. I'm not I, I'm not as sold on this fight as you. I think I think some of it may be is that you're not because of the the entire last couple of minutes. 
the hijinks combined with the question of Mary Tate, I think that that maybe had ruined it for you. Because what I'll say is what I liked. Oh, I, I thought it was extremely realistic. And that certainly today you don't get that in movies, but I thought it was extremely realistic. And well, that's the reason why I thought it was really well done. It is. And I liked it the, better the second time when I when that wasn't an issue. But uh, uh, yeah, there's, there's good stuff in this fight. I just think it's a little too... Uh, uh, I mean, it, it feels messy in the way that a real fight is messy. Like they're just kind of... Right. You know, he's just throwing stuff at it's, him. And, it, it's not... It, it's not. It doesn't feel choreographed, right? It's messy, like oh, you said. Right. Yeah, that's for sure. It, it's not a dance sequence, like you know, fight fight scenes in movies today. They're they're dance sequences. They're not what real fights are. Yeah, but they could have done more with the 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 room and with like the for the, the the machinery. I don't know. I think they did a lot. I mean, there are weights being thrown, and that's really all he does. He throws weights. But there's all these, all kinds of. They do end up on the the weird like rotating. Like there's, there's like that bench that kind of swivels yes, around. Yes, they're on that. I, they, I guess they do end I up mean, on that. Okay. At I, one I, point, Jeff Bridges like leaps over the stairs. I mean, like over over and into the stairs. That's a pretty dangerous stunt because I, I I think that was real. All right, you're selling me on it. I, I you know. It, so anyways, it was, I, it was a good fight. Yeah, it, I'll, it, I'll but, acknowledge it's a good fight. And I I understand. And the thing is that if this if you got to this point and then the hijinks in a different way than this like craze out drug four thing. I think all of it would have been a lot better because I'm telling you, the bodybuilders running down the street, it is, yeah, it's, it's awesome. It is pretty crazy. I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I, I, again, between that and Arnold playing the fiddle, I am glad that I own this on DVD because the fact that that exists is just crazy to me. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, again, the second time I was able to watch it and divorce the, that scene right. from what was happening with Mary Tate and all that. And so, yeah, I, I really, I did enjoy the crazy bodybuilder, like, chaos going on at the end of the movie the second time. I mean, but I, there's I, bodybuilders up on a bus posing right. and a bus is moving. I mean, it's great. But it's it's so unjustified because theoretically, like, the, 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 the way they try to justify it is they're trying to chase, they think Joe Santo is has run off with the money, which, by the way, he won the competition. Right, so. he won, well, he, they think Thor run, ran off with it, but which is ironic because you said Thor is his manager, and he won the competition. But there, but, there are different weight classes. I was going to say, there's, there's got to be different pride. It's not like you get the entire purse. So. Right, or like sizes or something. I don't know. They're yeah. saying big, tall, medium, small or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but if they're trying to chase, if they think he stole the money and they're only chasing after him because of that, then why are they up on a bus just posing? I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's obviously just supposed to be silly and surreal. And yes. I, you know, I, I did enjoy it. I, well, especially... Uh, this movie treats bodybuilders like they're the most amazing thing on the planet because when they're during the Mr. Universe competition, the they're audience jam packed and they they never stop cheering. No, <laughs> they are going crazy bonkers from beginning to end. <laughs> yeah, they're just screaming. They're cheering for their favorites. Just they, I mean, in the Running it's, Man, they weren't cheering I that was much. Just gonna say the Running Man, they don't get as nearly jacked up about the the stalkers as these bodybuilders in Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, I don't know how long that competition is, but you you literally never see that audience stop cheering once. No. They they cheer for like three hours straight. They must. I, I have to. That's assume. what's implied from the scenes that are shown. So they, they I mean, to the, in this world, in the world of this movie, bodybuilding is just the most amazing thing. And then when all the bodybuilders run out, the people in the streets, the same thing. They're just like, swept up, crowd around him, and there's the. <laughs> Well, my favorite guy. That's why when you think about it, it's so funny to me. And the two guys stop, and he's like, "Hey, did you see where Joe, Joe Santo went?" And the guy's like, "No, but uh, these people, I guess they want to see us pose." Like, all right, let's just start posing. Uh, did you notice in the on the streets of Al, of uh, Birmingham, one of those guys on the street corner? Because uh, you and I are both big uh, James Bond fans. 
Whisper from Live and Let Die. No. He's one of the guys in the street corner. I wish I would have caught that fantastic. You want, you want to find him real quick? We won't actually play the clip, but I'll just try to find an image of him. But uh, That is fantastic. And you, and you hear his real voice. That's, he, a, that's a great catch. I wish I would have found that. Well, he goes like, uh, there's the, like, he goes like, have you seen, seen Joe Santo? And the guy's like, and Whisper's like, who's Joe Santo? And he's like, oh, he's a bodybuilder. He's wearing, this kind of, he's wearing the outfit like mine. And he's like, oh, I thought those were your, I thought those were your underpants. Oh, okay. Now, I, I did not recognize that that was Live and Let Die. Um uh, yeah. I, I I distinctly remember yeah because I, I remember that I thought those were your your underpants. <laughs> that's yeah that's whisper yeah there you are. Yep, you're right. He's, he's at uh, 135 12. Yep, that's Comple- that is whisper from Living Let Die. Completely missed it. Nice catch. Yeah, but so uh, you know from that we basically get the wrap up after this, which is Blake decides he's gonna keep keep the gym. He's reunited with Mary Tate, and it's a happy ending because William the Butler gets all his. Uh, Gets all his stuff from the house and is able to open up. I guess the uh, the first Goodwill store. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, that's a detail. That character wasn't in the movie enough to need to really wrap him up. I don't know why they felt the need to. But also, what changed that caused him to reconcile with Blake? Because Blake, he's still. I mean, he's selling the house now. Yeah, I, I I took it as because he's selling the house and moving on that he won't be desecrating the family uh, family okay. name by just partying and hanging out. I guess, floating in the pool listlessly. I guess that makes sense, but it's just like I don't know why all of a sudden I, I don't, I William is you, forgiving him. You could have completely just left it unsaid, meaning you know he William could have been unresolved, wouldn't have mattered. I did find it interesting that it's another voiceover, but this time it's Blake who's doing it instead of uh, his uncle. Um, hey, is he writing a letter back? Right. Yes. Yeah. Just kind of giving an update. But so you get the wrap up, and that's to me that was that's stay hungry. Oh right, because he, he well he's inviting Uncle Albert to come see the squirrels at his new house. Yes. That's that's how this movie ends. Yes, that's I think that's the last line of the movie. He's just like, oh, I bought a new house. You can come and see the squirrels. Yes. Do, 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 do the end. The end. <laughs> what the hell? Another a random finish for a bunch of random stuff. Oh, this movie is, it's it's weird in a way that isn't because there are plenty of weird movies and I I enjoy a good weird movie, but this isn't a, this isn't weird in the way that is like interesting or like you know some sometimes it's. A movie can be like fascinating. Like I'm going to piece this thing together. Like, I don't quite understand it, but it's it's strange. And I'm going to. This doesn't feel like there's anything to piece together. It's just no. it's just a bunch of stuff that happens, I, <laughs> and uh, you know it just happened to stop here. Like this movie could have kept going and had more more random stuff. Yeah, because there's barely any plot. Uh, I don't know. I'm surprised you liked this as much as you did. I mean, yeah, I, I I get the crazy stuff. The body the the ending sequence of the bodybuilders running around is pretty great. The and bluegrass know, sequence is pretty great. There are individual scenes that maybe, are great. Maybe you're right that it's unfair for me to say that I like the movie. I, I, the better way to say it is I like the fact that it exists because the random things in it that are good scenes, I'm glad that they exist. In terms of it being a movie where it's like, oh, yeah, I need to watch this. No, but I like the, the bluegrass scene. I like the bodybuilders. There's enough of it that I like that I'm glad that it exists. Maybe is a better way to put it. It's worth seeing just in the context of seeing... What is essentially Arnold Schwarzenegger's first movie, you know, I mean, Hercules in New York, notwithstanding. Right. Uh, it's the first movie, certainly, where he has to act. I actually think he's okay in this movie. I don't think I don't think he's really a great actor at this point. No, and he's uh, not really being pushed. I don't think that hard. But no, but there are a couple of scenes where he actually has to act, and you yeah. know, when he's hurt, when the guys are making fun of him at the party, and he, he he's actually okay. Like I I really thought he was. I was prepared for the worst of just you know early Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. There are some. 
movies where he's just he's not really good, but he's he's good in this. I, you know, it's that's the interesting part of seeing him at that this stage of the his beginnings. career, and you know, but otherwise, if Arnold Schwarzenegger, I mean, I guess that's really the question. If if Arnold Schwarzenegger was not in this movie, would you still like the oh, movie? That's a, nah. if it was somebody else, if it was Lou Ferrigno. Mm, I probably wouldn't like it as much. I, I I don't think I don't. Yeah, you're. I think you have me. I think that because it's his first movie, and the, there's enough good random stuff in here is probably the reason I had fun, and I'm glad that I I have it. Yeah, that I mean, that's that context is what makes it interesting. I think, but uh, I don't know. I yeah, it's 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 fine. So I, it's, it's, I don't have a lot to say about. It. That's what I was saying at the beginning. It's just this movie is just just it's just so amorphous and kind of. Uh, shapeless that you know it's like trying to describe like a puddle or something i don't even know what to say <laughs> or it's like, just, yeah or like, yeah or just whatever it's just a shapeless thing you know it's just hard to i, I can't even imagine what it, would, it must have been like in the 70s to be a movie critic and to like have to like review a movie like this what do you say <laughs> uh, i i didn't try and look one up but that would have been interesting maybe this shows the limitations of us as you know as podcasters because it's like there's not like there, there aren't body counts and puns to talk about. Like we don't have our crutches to. to <laughs> That's we, a good way to put it. Yeah. Oh man, we don't have our fallbacks. Yeah. But it's interesting that you say that though, because I do have the seventh rule in a crisis situation. So I, I do have some things I can fall back. Well, on. Yeah, then we'll, yeah, we'll wrap up with the seventh rule. But before we get to that, I just have one thing I, want, I just want to point out because our our pun count for speaking of our crutches, our pun count here was two. Yes. Our body count zero. Yes. Which I think was the first time this has happened. And you may have forgotten, but uh, I've won our bet. We made a bet at the end of Batman and Robin, and I said, oh. do you think we'll ever see this again? Will there be more puns than, than body count? And you said, no, I don't think that's possible. And I said, maybe one of the ones we haven't seen, there'll just be a handful of puns and no deaths. And we, we made a gentleman's bet. We never set any stakes, and I'm just going to say, you know, just, just pride. my ability to declare myself the winner yes, is my you prize. are the winner. But uh, I did not want you to forget this I, because I'm not nearly as good of a handicapper as I thought I was. Well, there, but there you go. I just wanted to make sure you you got me. Well played, sir. <laughs> okay, so sorry to interrupt. Well your, played. Sorry to interrupt because no, no. yeah, I, I need to know what we learned. This this uh, yes, we're this we're time. getting down to uh, the brass tacks in the business. So the seventh rule in a crisis situation is: if you're matched against a stronger opponent, ask them to do a bodybuilding pose. Because all that will mean is that you'll be able to get away because they'll be up on a bus traveling down the streets of Birmingham. They're, they have they have an obligation to strike yes, a they pose. Have, they, based on this, they have an obligation to just pose. That's true. The crowd demands a pose. I'm like, well, based based on the bodybuilding code. Yes, the bodybuilding code. So we must we must pose. That's what I learned. You just ask them to pose, and they're going to have to strike a bodybuilding. Pose. All right, that's our that's our uh, seventh rule. So another bit of housekeeping. This was my pick. Really, there's only one category left because the end of the season, episode eight, will be a Terminator movie. Yeah, we've got two episodes left in our season, and we're saving the Terminator category for last. Best for last. So you have what we have determined, deemed the pre-governor decline. Yeah, this is this is. Uh, I only have this category left to choose from. Uh, you can tell by the way we've named this category that uh, <laughs> what we, don't we have, think of these films. Yeah, we don't have a lot of high regard for the movies in this category. So. It's interesting. You know, I'm glad you you liked this movie more than me because I was kind of coming in thinking, "Boy, we've had kind of three stinkers in a row." But you know, maybe not. I, I, I this movie wasn't quite the stinker that uh, no, but I, I Batman also, and Robin is certainly. And Sabotage, I liked it okay, but uh, 
you know, I can I, again. I said I said in that episode I can acknowledge it's a terrible movie. I just kind of enjoyed watching it. Yeah, and the only thing I'll say is I've enjoyed that the last two were movies that we didn't know really well because you know one of the things the limitations we were afraid that we were going to have is are we just going to try and do this for the movies that we know and really really like, and then what are we going to do for the others? I like that this is going to force me to watch some stuff I wouldn't have maybe watched otherwise. Oh, and I I like it too. My worry is we're kind of. Uh, Killing our podcast before it has a chance to grow because we're just doing these like awful movies all in a row or, or awful and or obscure. So that may be true, but we've got Terminator coming, so that's that's yeah, something. we got Terminator coming. But in the interest of just trying to minimize the damage to our podcast, <laughs> I'm, I love it. I, I'm just going to choose the movie that I the, think is the, the least le- worst option. Yeah, I'm really picking. I don't have a, it's slim pickings, but uh, death it, is not an option. It's not the movie I would have chosen under other circumstances, but just. In the interest of having something that I think will probably be the most uh, exciting one to discuss, or at least the one that has the most, maybe exciting is the wrong word, but just the one no, that I'm, I I'm think. Trying, I'm trying to think right now which one you're going to pick. This is going to be interesting. I am going to choose well, the next movie we're going to watch is Eraser. Ah, you have been erased. <laughs> just if only because, well, I, I, I want to talk about that CGI alligator. And, uh, I, you know, in thinking of the ones that are in the pre governor decline, that, that probably is. It's the most Arnold movie. The most Arnold and most salvageable if you're trying to not have three duds in a row. Well, we've gone so long without talking about an action movie, and it's yeah. like the other movie, the other three in this category are Collateral Damage, which is an action movie, but it's so, like, it's the most boring action movie I've ever yes. seen. Uh, End of Days, which isn't really an action movie. No, it's, it, I don't know. It's a supernatural thriller. Yeah, I don't know what it is. But that was the movie I probably would have picked under other circumstances, but I want to get an action movie in there. And then the sixth day, which we've already <laughs> described our disdain for that. So, yes. Yeah, so Eraser, I think, is the best of all those options. Okay. So that's what we're going to do next. Fantastic. Yeah, so the, thanks for listening. Uh, tune in next time when we talk about Eraser. You can find us on Twitter at Bad Puns Podcast. Uh, you can also read us an email at questions at bpamg.com. Uh, you know, if, again, if uh, you enjoy the podcast, uh, we'd appreciate a rating on your uh, favorite uh, podcast app of choice. And, uh, you know, Tell your friends we uh, we're going up online. You know, we're uh, you know if you're listening and you enjoy the show, we don't. Unfortunately, uh, we've talked about this off the air, but uh, we don't quite have as much time to promote our own show as we thought we would. Uh, our life has gotten busy, at least certainly for me, uh, more than I was expecting. So uh, we're just kind of throwing these out there. So you know, we're counting on you if you like the show. You know, please you know spread the word. We, we would appreciate it very much. Certainly would. It, yes. Kevin alluded to, we're certainly open to feedback and thoughts about any things that can be improved or added upon. And uh, we well, we are have been excited to see that we have an international audience in uh, <laughs> well, some of the stats that have come back that uh, we've we've ventured out not only outside of the Chicagoland area but to multiple continents. So it, it's the internet. I mean, I'm, I mean, <laughs> we shouldn't be that surprised to be like, wow. People on the, you know, we're such rubes when it comes to, we're, we're so new to this this thing. But yeah, we, we've had a few episodes go up now. I'm just like, oh, cool. There's people, you know. We were, I, I really didn't expect that many people to be listening outside of our friends at first because. Nope, you know, same here. So, because we're not really doing We're it. not out there pushing it really We've got hard, our so. Twitter and we're posting when the episode goes up, but that's about it. We don't have time to really promote the show. So again, if, if you're listening and you enjoy the show, you know, uh, if you could tell your friends, I mean, we, we are, uh. We're enjoying doing the show at the very least. So, Absolutely. Yeah, we appreciate you listening. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's, that's uh, it's Stay Hungry. So tune in next time when we discuss Eraser. We'll see you then.